thousands of tiny points. Then a man looks up at the same points and sees millions of stars. The galaxies within which are billions of planets. Do you want to know what I see? to the Welsh Lady Night Club where we are the ones who were fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah hang on well I can't no, fuck. No, just start from the where we are the ones where we are the ones who don't deserve to understand <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, the exaggerated fucking understand the whole deal oh god damn it yeah, boy. The nightclub coven, communing, and we're in the well. <laughs> I want to say the tail end. Oops, um, of Blood Monoth. We didn't even get to fucking really do the things we wanted to. Well, that I wanted to do. Um, but uh, this is the darkest time of year. This is after the solstice, so the sun is slowly creeping away day by day, by day, day by day. By day. Amen. But that's right, ladies and gents and zers and sirs and wapple top doppels. Oh. <laughs> what, what's the uh, snip dobbly ops? <laughs> Snoople. Yeah, double poops. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm Travis Maxwell Boone, and I'm joined by. <laughs> you don't know where to go with this one, do you? No. Stick to your guns. Yeah, just go to him, and then I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) We have an undecided co-host. I'm joined by the top-tier motherfucker right here. Rich Crenshaw, fugitive trucker, (laughs) also known as the Eagle Spirit. I love I still don't know. You don't know who you are. No. Well, the madness has set in. This is how we're starting off our trek to the Black Mountain side. Um, along the way, hopefully, this person who's here with us, <laughs> Allah Akbar. <laughs> I'm gonna say it for you. Allah Akbar Arsh. <laughs> AKA. <laughs> really? You want me- <laughs> no, don't. Chicken Nugget Marsha. <laughs> chicken Nugget. Yeah. Mashed Potato Johnson became Chicken Nugget Marsha? Yeah. Man, it's selling chicken a soul Martin. food up in here. Damn. Yeah. Like Walmart freezer section soul food. Hell yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> I was there today. You can just call me Triple A. A la Agbar Arch. 
all okay. Now we finally know who she is. Uh, so on 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 this trek through the 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 the, the frost beneath the the permafrost. Yeah, or the firmament because Firmamos. you know space ain't real. Apparently, likewise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Likewise. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> if you follow us on social media, you already know this. But if you haven't, if you haven't been, then this is going to come as a, a little bit of a surprise. Stay tuned after the midnight ritual because we've got something fucking mind-blowingly special um, that we hooked up for this episode. So. We're going to get to that, but before we do, I want you to join us. Join us! Subscribe to The Nightclub on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you exhume your favorite podcasts. Find and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Slash, the social media platform dedicated to all. We are at The Nightclub Podcast. Write a review and give us that five-pointed pentagram rating. I like how she read it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking you would go like like a like that breathy. Like write a review and give that oh, five-pointed. Oh, you want me to, like uh, sexy it up a little bit? You want me to sexy it up? Sexy, sexy this podcast up. up, man. We ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm surely not. Fuck yeah. Yeah, do it, do it. I'm gonna sexy up the last one. You gonna sexy it up? A with bear me? in wasteland. Yeah, I'm gonna sexy up my my last line down we, there. We bring him sexy back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Write a review and give us that five pointed pentagram rating. Yeah. <laughs> or you can reach out and touch pure, pure evil <laughs> by visiting our official website, thenightclub.fireside.fm, for direct from the void downloads and streaming. Or if you dare. Venture into the barren, desolate wasteland known as our email, the nightclub podcast at gmail.com. He didn't sexy at all. I tried to. Tried. That was me being sexy. Oh, sorry. Sexy, Ricky. Hey. Is assertive. Can we fuck? <laughs> <laughs> want to smash? You want to be my slam piece? <laughs> want some fuck? Damn. <laughs> We can make alligator fuckhouse. <laughs> Bringing sexy back. <laughs> We're going to set the stage for, I think what was uh, so far to date would be the, well, not that we've had many, but the biggest showdown on the nightclub. Two titans of terror that Angel knows next to nothing about. So we're here to inform her uh, this evening. <laughs> what's going on over there? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> testing my eyes out. I think he caught like a contact. Um, I ate all the weed while y'all weren't looking. I just went and found it and just ate it all. I'm holding the magic stick right now, so... I ate that, too. No, it's right this here. This is an illusion. I see the serum. It's an illusion. I see the remedy. You see it? You turn, you turn your head to look at something and it's gone. It looks like it looks like that fucking fossilized shit in Jurassic Park that the mosquito's in. Yeah. I'm a fucking... This stuff looks like that sometimes, too. Yeah, the Some amber. Some of those dark ones. Some of them get, are darker than others. There's not enough here to make the head of a cane, so I'm going to take this fucking juice out and make like a, a crown cap for one of my teeth. <laughs> Start flashing it around. Yeah, this is supposed to be a fucking epic showdown, okay? Between an Earth-like god incarnate and a cosmic entity that is dead but dreaming. 
frequent listeners of the podcast by this point know, uh, and people that follow us again on social media, that Godzilla and Cthulhu are going to be, you know, facing having a off. tussle. Yeah, having a tussle in the bushes. Yeah, boy. Getting their jimmies wrestled in the bushes. Cosmic jimmies. Cosmic jimmies. <laughs> um, as far as, far as uh, like, Godzilla goes... And, and, and well, I guess both of them. This isn't going to be like a biography of either one of these things. These things. Th- this is literally just kind of like a breakdown of them. And some of the crazy shit we found that they can do. Substantiated, I can for all of Godzilla uh, site examples. Cthulhu was a bit harder to find, but Godzilla is a much more you know prominent figure in pop culture. I mean, right. he's been in over thirty films. Uh, comic books, video games, uh, remakes, and ad- different adaptations. So uh, Cthulhu is like the underground Godzilla in a way. He's like the right. indie band version. but He's been in all that stuff, just not as much of it. No. But that's neither here nor there. So if, if you don't hear us get into that, then, you know, I'm telling you why now. The stage that we're going to set, though, I think I might have already said that, getting repetitive, it's late, is that it's Mardi Gras. All right? New Orleans is popping. It's 2021. They have people there that aren't giving a fuck. They're not wearing their masks. They're not social distancing. <laughs> fuck all that. It's Fat Tuesday. It's yeah. time to drink, throw beads at topless bitches, listen to the Raven Street Church Choir tell you that everything you're doing is sinful and wrong. Yeah. And they're right. They're right. They're because right. at this moment, the cult of Cthulhu has fucking made some sacrifices. The stars are right. And this motherfucker's rising up out of the sea. Why there? Because they have people that are part of the cult over yeah, there. Right. So even though his his home is in the Pacific, I want him. I want him. Well, he could still rise out of the Pacific. You of know. Course. Yeah. But kind of like you watched Godzilla: King of Monsters. Mm-hmm. I want a picture like Ghidra or Ghidorah that the fucking clouds and the storms are following him to New Orleans. So the shit's epic. This would lead to Godzilla being the apex predator, sensing this shit. Right. And no, 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 I'm not using, and I want to state this too before we get into it, and I think you were doing the same as you were reading through all of Cthulhu's shit. We are, we're summarizing what they are. This right. is not a particular Cthulhu versus a particular Godzilla because there's numerous versions of, of each one, so it's kind of like an amalgamation. Right. And part of this Godzilla's power, and this is from the legendary Godzilla, is that he can sense another potential alpha. So he's heading towards New Orleans. So New Orleans is going to be our showdown. This is nightclub territory. And it's it's going to flood. It's door. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely going to flood. So, so, okay. And, 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 then, and, then, and then Kanye West is going to be on the news saying <laughs> Cthulhu doesn't care about black people. <laughs> and he'd be right. He'd, he'd be, be right. right. Cthulhu doesn't give a fuck about anybody's lives, okay? Right. So consequential. We we might as well we might as well get into this a little bit with some background before I, I do. I want to get into how we think the scenario would play out, but definitely number one, yes, New Orleans would immediately flood. <laughs> be, before they get there, it's flooded. It'd be chaos in the streets, man. So okay. Um, Before they even get there, it's all flooded and everybody's running around looting shit and just being crazy. <laughs> like Angel's face when you said <laughs> Okay, alright, a little bit of background. So, um, out of our two combatants, this is the more popular, well-known monster here in, 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 in this showdown, but... 
Godzilla is a daikaiju who first appeared in 1954 Toho's film Gojira and is typically depicted as a giant prehistoric creature awakened or mutated by the advent of the nuclear age. At first, Godzilla was a villainous and destructive force of nature, punishing humankind for its use of nuclear weapons. Over the remainder of the series, Godzilla gradually developed into a heroic character, defending Japan by fending off other more malevolent creatures. So, and he, and that's that's kind of the Godzilla I knew growing up. Was right. the the there's different eras, and I'm not going to get into all that because that would be more of a Godzilla bio thing. But just to say, my relationship to Godzilla came about through the mid to later Showa era series, which right, was the first world. series. Yeah. Godzilla versus Amorous. Godzilla was fighting all the bad guy monsters. Yeah. at this point he wasn't a bad guy anymore. Godzilla versus cool uh, King Kong. Yeah. Uh, you get into some of the, 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 the later, I think it was the Heisei era though, when he starts, or it might still have been Showa, where he's fighting like Gigan and there's fucking blood and shit. Those movies are awesome. Godzilla versus Monster Zero, also awesome, but for another day. Specific details of Godzilla's appearance have changed between films and, adapt- and adaptations over the years, but many defining details have endured. In the Japanese films, Godzilla is depicted as a gigantic bipedal reptilian creature with rough, bumpy, usually charcoal gray scales with celloid, I think that's how you say this, scar or tree bark textures. A fairly small head with a prominent eyebrow-like ridge over the eyes. Moderately long humanoid arms with four fingers, including an opposable thumb. Thick, muscular legs, a long, powerful, segmented tail, and three rows of generally bone-white dorsal fins, usually shaped like maple leaves. Because fuck maple trees. Maple leaves. Oh, dude, if Godzilla had the marrow. (laughs) <laughs> the oh, dorsal shit. fans. That would be dope. The dorsal fans on his back, those spikes. Yeah. The origin of Godzilla is as a, and this is like, he has different origins in different movies, but this is the consensus one. He is as a sea creature whose underwater habitat was completely destroyed by a hydrogen bomb test, which also killed his entire family, leaving poor Goji burned and scarred. Enraged and driven from his home, Godzilla took out his rage upon humanity. His signature weapon is the distinctive atomic breath heat ray that he fires from his mouth, and his dorsal fins glow ominously, and then he lets loose a concentrated blast of radiation. Fucking powerful shit. Shin Gojira, best fucking atomic breath, I think. The stronger variation of his atomic breath is the spiral heat ray. So this thing's got like a fucking electric, cheesy special effects spiral wrapped around his atomic breath. And in addition to this, Godzilla can also emit atomic energy in all directions from every inch of his body in a short-range attack dubbed the Nuclear Pulse. He used this in at least one movie that I know of. Um, And he's extremely resistant to damage, possesses advanced and highly efficient regenerative regenerative abilities. Um, From his bones, he can regenerate, and from the mere essence of himself, he can reanimate. This gets into more... Well, it, it's in the movies he can do this shit as well, but this once you get into the comic book world of, of Godzilla, yeah, he takes on and and kills the entire pantheon of Greek gods, including Zeus, <laughs> which if you know about Zeus's powers is fucking crazy. And in uh, the comic series Godzilla in Hell, he goes to Hell, fights hellish versions of all his enemies and some other hell beasts, whips all their asses, and escapes Hell. So he fucking goes there. And to throw this one last little tidbit in there, he can survive and has done twice 
a black hole. Yeah. So if put in a black hole, he will survive it, escape it, and reanimate or regenerate. He's a force of nature, a primal fucking force of nature. Born of the earth, definitely, but energy, uh, I would say, beyond it too. Because if I was going to have any version of Godzilla fight Cthulhu, it would be the eighth form of the, of Shin Godzilla. That was never reached in the film, but um, the director had already planned out what all the other forms would be. So that that's the form I would pick. I don't know if it would necessarily be fair, but um, we'll have to see how he stacks up against old Squidface. <laughs> Squidward. <laughs> Squidward. Hey, Squidward. As I'm going through this one, just jump in. Like, throw shit in there that I that I def- definitely didn't get that you know about. Um, okay. <clears throat> oh, he, I was reading about the different sizes of mm-hmm. Godzilla, and Cthulhu can just decide to be whatever size he wants, apparently. So, that, I could put that in the story, like, Cthulhu comes out, <laughs> and Godzilla's, like, bigger, so he just kind of, like, hmm, and just, to the same size. It's a, it, I mean, and I couldn't, I could not find, because I guess it's just not well-sourced online, I could not find, because I've read all that shit, too, that yeah. he can bend reality and everything. Yeah. You never see that, or at least I can't find anything about it. It must be in other people's novels that have taken this... Well, I, I tried to look for uh, references in other people's as well, and I just... It, I can't find it's shit. It's not sourced well, If if we only shit. If we only went off of what Cthulhu could do in Lovecraft stories, Godzilla would... I, not Again, not kill him, but he would defeat his body... Right. And then Cthulhu would go back to bed. Right. And He'd then go it would back be, to bed. it'd be okay for millions of years. Right. But, because in the original, well, well, I, I think we'll, we'll probably get into it. Let me, or do you want to read this? No. Cthulhu one? No. No? No. Not feeling that? Not feeling that. <laughs> okay. I ate too much mac and cheese and Vienna sausage and I, I don't feel like that. <laughs> and if you think of funny shit to say, just say it. It's fine. Hey, Squidward. Come <laughs> You need some more coffee? Hell no. Some coffee. I'm asleep a little bit. Cthulhu is an ancient cosmic entity originally appearing in the short story The Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft. Cthulhu resides in the city of, uh, how do you say this shit? Rolia. Rolia. <laughs> At the bottom of the Pacific Ocean in a death-like slumber, rising only when the stars are right. A large global cult has also formed around the being, who worships him as a deity and sacrifices in his name. Despite this, Cthulhu and its motivations are beyond the comprehension of humans, who can go mad from the very sight of the entity's presence, whether it's through dreams or actual sightings. The most detailed descriptions of Cthulhu are based on statues of the creature, now, I read this somewhere, so some of this stuff I have I have copied. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how, how authentic this part is. Did you read this shit, too? What? That his, his the way he looks was found um, based on statues. I guess statues found in the stories. Yes. Okay. One constructed by an artist after a series of baleful dreams is said to have yielded simultaneous pictures of an octopus, a dragon, and a human caricature. A pulpy, tentacled head surmounted on a grotesque and scaly body with rudimentary wings. Rudimentary. (laughs) Dear Watson. (laughs) Another recovered by police from a raid on a murderous cult uh, represented a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline, but with an octopus-like head whose face was a mass of feelers, 
a scaly, rubbery-looking body, prodigious claws on hind and forefeet, and long, narrow wings behind. Arguably, Cthulhu's most notable trait is the fact that he cannot be comprehended by men. When a human so much as looks at him, they will almost certainly be driven mad by his visage. Cthulhu was also able to create a city out of nowhere, so manifesting... That, that's where I kind of see, like, the reality-bending powers coming into play. Like, this dude can just be like, <laughs> and now there's this big city, or... Uh, lamb shanks. <laughs> Spiced <laughs> meat. Spiced meat. <laughs> In the hot tub. <laughs> Cthulhu's hot tub is the fucking Pacific it's Ocean. It's the Pacific, bro. yeah. How you say it, his it's, fucking house? His, yeah... <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Borat saying it. My wife, have you figured out who you are yet? Or did you? Did we do that? We uh, did that shit, huh? Yeah. All right, never mind. Triple Paula. A. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Triple A PD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even though Cthulhu is hinted at being omnipotent, it rarely uses rem- even remote fractions of its power. It can be assumed that since Cthulhu is nigh immortal in terms of both being eternal and unkillable, the being does not need to put forth any effort, as no matter what happens, it will eventually get what it wants. (laughs) Just has to wait. He's just like, ah, fuck it. In addition, the type of immortality that Cthulhu has is beyond what most can comprehend, as he is said to outlast death itself. Cthulhu's psychic ability is limitless and combined with the knowledge of everything across the multiverse, including all spells, this allows Cthulhu the ability to control every facet of reality at will with ease. (laughs) Cthulhu's power is so tremendous that when he is to awaken everything in a thousand mile radius of will either be destroyed in mind, body, and soul, which is the fate of the more fortunate ones, or go irrevocably insane. He also is capable of matter, energy, time, and space manipulation on a truly massive scale. His age is stated to be that in the vigintillions of yeah. years, if I'm saying that right, or 120 zeros tacked on at the end there. By this count, Cthulhu already has a lifespan that dwarfs our own universes, as the universe is merely 13 billion years old. Cthulhu's like the Chuck Norris of... A big kaiju man? No, he's like... Chuck Norris of Eternity. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuck Norris. He's Chuck. Cthulhu is Chuck Norris. <laughs> I just pictured Santa Claus coming out of Chuck Norris's beard. A bunch of like tentacle roundhouse kicks. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what that's what happens if you but move not, them but tentacles out the way. But not to people. To ga- whole galaxies. Fuck <laughs> 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 that. Just yeah. kicking galaxies out the way. Yeah. <laughs> Hawaiian punch. <laughs> you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. It's the best. <laughs> this implies that he has seen many, many universes come and go, and that ours is merely the latest one to him. His resources are as endless as his power. He has an army of truly massive proportions at his disposal, consisting of untold legions of insane horrors all over the multiverses he exists in. So he's also kind of like Rick Sanchez. He has mastered science his mankind will never see as well as magics well beyond the reach of any man. His allies are many, and his enemies are few, for who, in their right mind, would challenge something that is madness incarnate? Does he have a... He has to have a weakness, though, right? Boats. Boats are and you, hoes. Wait, whoa, what? Boats and hoes. Boats. Boats and hoes. How are boats a weakness? 
because in the only and and this is where I mean that's why I said I didn't want to have it be the like just tell me in in the original story Call of Cthulhu he just gets rammed head on by a boat and oh that did him in he turns into like a mist I like well when Ricky told me about it he was like he pops. Um, I read that he turns into a mist, but then as soon as the boat's like kind of leaving, he quickly regenerates and he's like, the stars are right. And then he just goes crawl back in his fucking, his he's like, I guess like I got to wait another. Like a little bitch car. I'm like, I'm going to get you next time. No, no. It, he, he, it didn't even matter to him that he got kind of vaporized for a second. To him, it was just like, oh, I don't know why he was that weak, but I, the stars aren't right. He woke up too soon. Hey, thanks for wasting my time. I thought I thought it the way I interpreted it was the uh, the stars were right till that boat hit him, but he didn't get to do what he was supposed to do yet because that boat hit him, mm-hmm. and when he rematerialized, the stars wasn't right no more. So yeah. he was like, "I guess I got another way to couple another couple eons." So he just went back to bed in his little underwater He's house. Depressed. So I didn't go into his backstory. If I did all that, we'd be talking about Azathoth and shit like that. And Yogg-Sagoth. We're not, we're not him coming to the fucking world and fighting with elder things or whatever the fuck they were doing. Yeah. He's been around. He's been around apparently for a long ass fucking time. But yeah, the stars have to be right for this motherfucker to have all of his powers at his disposal. But while he's not doing that, he is like, 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 Sleeping. yeah, he's, he's basically to us would be dead because for millions of years he doesn't do anything, but he's constantly manipulating the minds of man. So he, he can influence men. Um, I don't think in this scenario, if, if Godzilla were to find him, because Godzilla's been to space, Godzilla's been to hell, he, he I, I don't think the sight of Cthulhu would drive him I don't crazy. I so either. He would just look at Cthulhu as another potential threat and be like, because Godzilla, Godzilla has shown intelligence in different iterations, but he's also shown nothing but pure, primal instinct in others. Like like the original Godzilla, like Shin Godzilla, but Shin Godzilla, and I think he is the most interesting and unique version of Godzilla, because there's a bunch, he can just evolve constantly, and, and real quick, like really fast. I feel like if he had enough time to fight Cthulhu, Already, if I didn't pick his eighth form, if I picked his eighth form, the, I don't think this match, this this fight could even happen. Because, well, I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> but if the stars aren't right... I think I, Cthulhu's not awake anyway. He, or he's not waking up, you know. So what he would be, he would be full-powered. This motherfucker would have... I'm sure the first thing he'd want to do is like, yeah, like, can I can I communicate with, with... Or would he even notice Godzilla? He probably wouldn't even register him as a threat, huh? Probably not. He'd be like, what's that? Oh, that's that's a- another one of these things. Yeah. Is that what's up here? <laughs> Pretty much. Like, oh shit, this is happening here now? I've been asleep forever. Right. But I think, I think, I think. I don't remember leaving those here. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla's been fucking mutated by the sins of mankind. Like, that's yeah. basically. He, he is, he is our folly. Yeah. Given, given life. We're tampering with shit we shouldn't, and we're creating this big fucking evil lizard daddy <laughs> so well that the, the the shin godzilla can he he evolves and that that's what his little name means by the way to the people of the odo islands god incarnate i think that sounds pretty cool yeah he's also telepathic too though like if again if we're combining all godzilla's powers he, he he's also telepathic so he could communicate with cthulhu conceivably right 
a lot of C's. What would he tell them? I would assume get the fuck off my planet. Yeah. Like get you, the fuck off my planet property. Yeah. <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> Cthulhu would refer to it as his planet. He'd be like, "I'll see you first. This is mine." He wouldn't. I guess. Well, would he be wrong? Godzilla's just, made of like essentially. And this is what I found in my readings. I didn't know this. I'm, I'm a fan of the Godzilla films. I didn't know how deep this shit went, but apparently when you involve comic books in any f- fucking form, they overpower the shit out of whatever characters they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Godzilla is essentially just energy. So uh, I think it was Zeus actually destroyed him down to the atomic level. And just because the energy still existed, he started to regenerate and Damn. reanimate. So if you're, if you're including that Godzilla, then he black holes don't matter to him. Nothing right. matters. He'll just the energy doesn't get created or destroyed, so it's like he can always just come back. Right, right. I don't know if he would attack first, but I think if he did, Cthulhu would be like, "Oh fuck, time to scare the shit out of this guy," because it seems like he would go for that first, like my my right, right, mind right. Yeah. warfare. Right. Because what's he gonna do? Grow bigger? Yeah, I guess. I guess he'd grow bigger if he was smaller than Godzilla then he'd be probably be like oh well uh, check this out he'd be like mm-hmm. I don't know what meters are to feet cause I'm not smart but I know that the the Shin Godzilla version is the tallest on screen besides when Legendary decided to one up it by like 10 feet or something and it was well over 100 meters high whatever that is in feet I don't know but Godzilla Earth was fucking like 300 something meters so yeah. Shin Godzilla would literally be the size of Godzilla Earth's shin. But Cthulhu could just decide, fuck it, I'm as tall as as, as the stratosphere. Exactly, yeah. And be that big. And then if his powers really are fully, you know, within his grasp, Godzilla evolving quick enough, I don't know, man. If he can just bend reality and turn Godzilla into a... A donut. Or, yeah, a fishbone... I mean, it don't matter. Let's assume. Let's just assume that Cthulhu wants to keep it interesting and not use techniques like that. I don't, I don't know. And he and he knows spells. Apparently, all spells from across time and space and different right. multiverses. What does that even mean? That means he can cast Wish, which is a ninth level wizard spell in five five e. <laughs> so he could technically just wish Godzilla to another plane of existence, such as the astral plane. Or one of the many planes of hell. <laughs> <What>, babe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing D&D into it, y'all. You like it? Uh, you like Do you rack? <laughs> <laughs> Is this cosmic enough for you yet? I'm falling asleep. You're falling asleep? Don't it's, fall asleep. It's the nightclub. It's the nightclub, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> Where we are the ones who slumber like Cthulhu. <laughs> I mean, okay, like, and, and we, we kind of sort of, <laughs> it's okay, sweetie. We kind of sort of talked about this um, prior to prior to doing doing this little showdown here. I really thought Godzilla had way more of a chance than it seems like he does. Um, Cthulhu is just, and, and, and this is what I hate is that I cannot find examples of this way overpowered Cthulhu. If it was the one from the stories... Well, from the call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then, then he would have he would one of one form of Godzilla or another would have a chance. I think Shin would. I think Legendary might. Yeah. Um, but yeah. at the very least of stopping him, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
if he could get that blast off. Because I don't think I don't think Cthulhu's mind powers would work on any of the Godzillas. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, it wouldn't work on the. I don't think it would work on the primal ones. On the ones that were more intelligent. That's why I was saying maybe, I'd go with Shin yeah. Godzilla because he's more just like a straight up, for like a force of nature. He's just an ever evolving, striving to be the perfect life form. And this is why I was saying if I could pick a Godzilla, it would be the eighth form of Shin because at that point in his evolution, he has become the universe. He has become existence itself. So Cthulhu would exist within his parameters, and if he decided your the physics that you operate on, nope, they don't work anymore. Changing that up, and you know he and he would just turn into like a pile of pea soup or something. Who knows? Damn. Who knows what would happen? Or get you know torn asunder at the molecular level, just I mean, or just or disappeared. Yeah, completely. That that would be the version, but meeting head to head. If Cthulhu's is this powerful, oh, God damn it. It's kind of like, if Godzilla dies, then his energy is neither created nor destroyed. He's going to come back. Eventually. Right. Cthulhu dies, quote unquote, somewhere over the fucking rainbow. <laughs> his daughter exists, and he is born again from his daughter. Because that's the way Lovecraft science works. Picture these big, like this big squid mama in space with a dress on, but the Cthulhu face, you know? Yeah. And it's bigger than planets. Like you were saying earlier about the roundhouse kicking galaxies away. Yeah. So, so it's just in space and like whole civilizations are orbiting around this thing and it's just like, and it's got tatons. And then it just, Cthulhu dies because Godzilla's like, and blast him. Then his his squid head pops out of her squid vagine. In space, <laughs> in big space, they're big, and it's just this baby Cthulhu tentacle face, but but even baby Cthulhu, well, you, they could pick however big they are. Yeah. I, want, I want them to be this big, because I want yeah. it to be just, and they move so slowly, though, because, again, they're so big that I bet a long time, like, like, like from the medieval times to now, <laughs> could take place while the, the tentacle's coming through space from right. one... One part of its mouth. So you would just be existing this whole time like, what the fuck is that in space? <laughs> What's that man? all the... Can anyone tell me what that thing is up there? It's like... Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be nuts. It'd be like if the moon started falling towards the earth. Before it ever even get here, we'd all be fucked up. Bad. It, we'd never experience it hitting. Right. right. Have <laughs> fucking all the tectonic plates like pulling towards it and shit. Tsunamis. Oh, epic tsunamis. Epic volcano explosions. Weather the likes of... Like, there'd be lightning storms that we've never seen before where the lightning would just be raining. Like, raining down. Crazy. That's what it's like when when Cthulhu rises, man. That's what I was going to say. That's kind of like what happens when Cthulhu comes back and he's just like, this is mine again. Y'all better... You ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) <laughs> and then all the people are like, Bleh! and they all just take their clothes off and start killing each other and screaming <laughs> and turning into things. That's that's yeah. The cult the cult members get to turn into little demigods that are also crazy and out of control and start right. killing everything. Yeah, they're 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 fucked over too. You remember the Rick and Morty episode where the entire world became Cronenbergs? Yeah, <laughs> that's basically if Cthulhu rises. So like I was saying, Cthulhu's Rick Sanchez. I mean, pretty much. 
Except none of them are nice like the uh, Rick and Morty Cronenbergs were. Don't you worry about that Cronenberg, Morty. What? You don't remember that? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're all nice to each other and stuff in their little Cronenberg world. Well, ultimately, though, even if Godzilla would lose, win, uh, I I think what we're gonna have to learn here is that none of it matters. None of it matters because no matter who loses, wins, we all lose. We all lose. Yeah. Nothing matters. Cue Metallica. Now we pull back the veil and you get to see what we've been seeing or hear what we've been seeing because we've got some recent watches. Um, Angel has bowed out of this segment. She, I guess, didn't want to reveal her recent watches. Shame for shame. 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 Ding, ding. (laughs) Walk through the streets and be yelled at and people throw poop at you. Why would people throw like tomatoes and onions and stuff back back in the medieval times it, like when people were in the stockade you know right is that what the, that's what they called it right uh-huh where they had their hands through the holes and their head through the if people yeah. were so sick and poor back then why were they throwing food oh they were throwing the rotten shit still it's the it's medieval times you eat the rotten shit you eat oh, no, it but you, you see that's precisely why you don't eat the rotten shit is because it's the medieval times and back then, if you got sick from eating rotten food, they would just be like, here, have some leeches on your eyeball. <laughs> well, or, or I... rub some chicken poop in it. You'll get better. <laughs> you know, Dance around with these feathers in, in, the cir- in a circle at, at seven in the morning. <laughs> yeah, they, that's... I, just, I just assumed that since, you know, people were stupid, they would eat it anyway. Um, but, okay, recent watches. Um these are handpicked on my part because I've got some that I'll mention, some that I won't for different reasons. But um, I'll go ahead and start us off, I guess. I've got Night of the Demons from 1988. That that film I watched and reviewed on the Joe Blow Horror Show with my co-host on there, Boss Tuna. And this movie is about a group of teens that go to a uh, abandoned mortuary, right? They got a fucking uh, cremation factory going on downstairs. Right. And they're going to play, you know, they're going to party. They're going to rock. They're going to play some demonic games and they're going to get demonically fucking possessed. This movie is a lot like Evil Dead 2. It's got some great gore effects, some pointless fucking lipstick, (laughs) (laughs) nipple piercing going on. And uh, by by the Linnea Quigley. And she's phenomenal in this movie. And it also introduces Angela. Angela. Everyone's favorite uh, goth queen here at this this haunted fucking home of the dead. Woo! I, I really enjoy this movie, man. Um, an 80s classic for sure. And I think um, I think it's got a remake that I have not seen. It does. At all. It's yeah. got that, uh, that uh, Shannon Elizabeth such and such chick in it. Something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I started it but didn't finish it. I was oh, like, sounds- I don't know. I don't know about this. Sounds promising. But yeah. the original <laughs> is definitely worth a watch. We reviewed Fuck it for yeah. 
our um, Halloween episode on um, the Joe Blow Horror Show. I recommend everyone go and check that out for a more in-depth discussion of the of the movie. But um, I'm going to go ahead and give that film a 7.5 out of 10. Really, really love it. It's, you know, 80s awesomeness. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's a banger for sure. Well, what you got, man? What's your first uh, recent watch? I don't know. What did you pick? What? What What did you pick for me? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't pick. I don't pick Ricky's movies. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest them sometimes uh, with a fervor. I'm like, dude, you've got to. Okay, this motherfucker. I'm telling this guy, watch Joker. Watch Joker, man. And he, <laughs> <laughs> in a funny way. Puts it off for a while, but uh, yeah, you saw that shit. I saw it. I gave All right. it. I gave it a four point five out of ten. Deservedly so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a that's a ten out of ten for me for sure. Let me break out my Joker laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Murray. Okay. Um, that movie wasn't a four point five out of ten, and I'm tired of pretending or however he says that right right <laughs> yeah um so a while back uh, on one of our last recent watches i mentioned the beyond uh by fulci um and mm-hmm. i went ahead and revisited well not revisited i continued his gates of hell trilogy so um i believe it's city of the dead that came next mm. i mean city of the dead is 1980 uh yeah, City of the Dead was first, then it was The Beyond, then it oh. was House by the Cemetery. Okay, well I started in the middle, but not that it matters. I uh, did that with Modest Mouse. Woo woo. Yeah, I did too technically. Um, all right, so City of the Dead. I'll start there since it's a 1980s joint. Um, you know, like I don't know, man. Like I, I wasn't as engaged in this one as. As the I was in the Beyond, mm. um, and I mean, there's lots of there's lots of really cool gross out like effects and stuff. I was into that. There's one particular gross out scene in a car, and come to come to think of it, I actually saw it when I was a kid, and it scared the shit out of me. That one scene, Isaac's dad was watching it when I was at his house one night, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Nope, <laughs> nope." <laughs> And so, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, like I didn't even I didn't even sleep that night. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> stayed up because I was like, "Fuck this!" But um, yeah. Uh, so, City of the Dead, man. I mean, check it out. It's got some cool effects. It's the famous Gates of Hell trilogy. I wasn't feeling it as hard as the others, but then the last twenty minutes or so happened. And really upped it for me. The score, got the atmosphere, the score, the fucking imagery, just everything in the final couple of scenes was like, fuck yeah. And it, and it really saved the movie for me because I wasn't feeling it too much before that. So uh, Well, like Johnny Depp says in Secret Window, the most important part is the ending. So if the ending is a fucking awesome time, yeah. then hell yeah, man. I haven't seen this film, so... Um, I but I it's definitely on my list because I I love the Beyond. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna to, I'm gonna I'll put it to you this way: I love the ending. Um, mm-hmm. And if it were not for the ending, then this movie would have been a five point five for me. That being said, those last 
20, 25 minutes or so, amped it up, gave me what I, gave me what I was looking for from a, you know, a classic, uh, uh, Giallo. Yeah. I, I give it a seven. It was, it's a good watch. Check it out. Especially if you're, uh, into Giallo's Fulci and whatnot. So there you go. I don't think that movie's a, a Giallo. Really? Uh, okay. So how about this? Uh, my first pick for the night is a uh, <laughs> City of the <laughs> Living Dead, um, 1980. <laughs> People are going to wonder why we're laughing, and I love it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do this. <laughs> People are going to love it. Oh, okay. Well, fuck it, man. If we're... <laughs> <laughs> we're time traveling folks you just jumped <laughs> <laughs> now i've talked about two of the gates of hell movies get ready because i'll talk about the third one but not until after you talk about a movie bud all right you ready well yeah man for my yeah, next bud. one <laughs> yeah bud yeah bud yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah bud yeah, but that's for you, Boss Tuna. <laughs> that's for you, Boss Tuna. You're the man. Oh, hell yeah. So for my next film on my recent watches list, uh, and I'll be talking about this um, for, you know, a future date, I'm sure. I went back to the well. Everyone goes back to the well, especially on Halloween. And on Halloween, I watched John Carpenter's classic 1978 film, Halloween, yeah. with Joe Bob. Watched it with nice. Joe Bob. Get shuttered. Go watch the last drive-in. The last drive-in never dies. It's so, sure um, dumb. The, you know, I I don't really know how much uh, can or needs to be said at this point. It's like I said, one day probably talk about it. I, I've ranted about the the timelines in a previous <laughs> episode, um, <laughs> and but that you know that that has nothing to do with what this film is. Um, it's it it goes without saying it's a ten out of ten for me. Um, I gotcha. think for most horror fans it is. Yeah, it's really it's, good. It's, it's perfect nice for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll just I'll I'll put a pin in it right there, man. That's my my second recent watch, and it was on Halloween, and it the atmosphere was perfect. It's always perfect that time of year. Hell yeah. Um, what's your favorite scene? Well, I mean, I don't think we got to worry about spoilers for this one. No, no. I, how many, I'm year, how to, many years have they had? <laughs> uh, they've had 41 or two years. 42 yeah. years, I, th- I believe. So, yeah, fuck, fuck <laughs> off. We spoil shit anyway unless we say we don't. So, right. Um, I, like, I like shit with Loomis whenever he's like uh, – he's, <laughs> he's waiting for Michael to come back to the house. And this, this is not your, your typical favorite scene. Right. Um, I could sit there and tell you the intro is amazing. I could sit there and tell you the ending is amazing or any of the stalking scenes or whatever. But I love the scene where Dr. Loomis is, is waiting outside the Myers home and these these kids come up to the house and they're daring one kid, egging him on, like, you know, go up to the front door. Don't be scared, you know, blah, 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 or whatever they said. He And they, they mention his name. So Loomis hears his name. The kid goes up to the door and he's like, hey, Lonnie. Get your ass out of here. <laughs> they, all, they all take off. And Loomis smiles, man. He smiles. He cracks a smile. Like, yeah, I got him. I got the kids. 
in the middle of all the chaos of the 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 fucking devil has come to your town, sheriff. Like he 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 cracks a fucking smile because he yelled at some kid. He he uh, faked out some kid. I love that scene. <laughs> it's so it's so fucking awesome. It's so weird to be in there, but it's good. So yeah, Hall- I, Halloween '78. Check that shit out. You want to know about my favorite scene from it? Hell yeah! I think I told you about it before, but it might be fun for the show. Um, uh huh. When I, and I can't remember the character names, but when Jamie Lee Curtis is in the car with her friend, and her friend's smoking, and she sees her dad, who's a cop, and she's like, <laughs> she's like, act natural, and like she's yeah. like she's kind of freaking out, and then they pull over to talk to him, and she's fucking blowing it. Like if this dude can't tell there's something going on with her, then because she's all like she can't hear nothing, she keeps yelling like, "What? Why are you yelling?" It's it's the best. I love it. They <laughs> and how would he not smell? They right. literally just put the joint out. And 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 the windows were like mostly up, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they were. They Jeez. were hot boxing that motherfucker. <laughs> listening, they they were rode around, dude. They were listening to "Don't Fear the Reaper." Oh man, it was hell it's, yeah, boy! Uh, it's so fucking good, dude. That that blue oyster. Yeah, man, I'm part of that cult. Yeah, boy, Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, bud. Yeah, yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. The fucking Blue Oyster Cult sure played the shit out of Godzilla. Yeah, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got, man? What's next? House by the Cemetery, 1981. As promised. As promised. The final film in the Gates of Hell trilogy. Also, a movie I have not seen. When your boy Kaboy pro- makes a promise, <laughs> you can bank on it, son. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, so I love the fuck out of this one. This one is oh. by far my favorite out of the trilogy. Um, and I'm not gonna spoil anything. It's atmospheric, it's it's way more dreamlike than the other two. <laughs> um like a lot more. It it's it, it feels like a fever dream. That's it's, saying a lot for like the beyond too, because that movie is like a dream. This crazy. this one this one's like a fucking fever dream, man. Uh, it's crazy. It's it's captivating. It's fun. It's entertaining. The gore is good. The, the practical effects are good. The characters are, eh, they're pretty fun. <laughs> oh, <shit>. uh, <laughs> the tone is good. You know, the set design is fucking awesome. It's a Fulci. It's a Fulci. He did it again. Mwah! Instant classic. Uh, so in this one, I did make a note because there is a little boy character and he has the most annoying voice in the whole world ever. <laughs> oh, so, shit. so I was, la- I was laughing a lot while watching this movie. Just, just so you know, I, it, I don't know if it's going to make everyone laugh, but it made me laugh to the point where my kids came out of the room and they're like, why is Rick, <laughs> why is Ricky laughing at all these people being murdered? because so, all they hear from the room is people screaming bloody murder and i'm just oh, oh, oh. oh wait you know? wait that's not a common occurrence at your house i mean i mean yeah kind of yeah <laughs> depends on what time of the year it is <laughs> gotta um, have them gotta have those cool down seasons you know but oh, um, and this is the cold times right now my friend this is definitely the fucking spooky time to do it Fuck yeah, son. So this annoying little boy with the most annoying voice in the whole world 
also looks exactly like what you would get if you took the little deformed boy from Midsommar mm. and you took away his deformities. That's that's okay. all I could think of looking at this kid. So there you go. So a little Swedish chap. Yeah, just a little a little mm. a little uh, standard little Swedish fellow, <laughs> like one of the you know like oh you're a little Swedish kid aren't you you little <laughs> annoying sounding bitch. <laughs> Yeah. With, your little, with your little square haircut and all that. And your fucking wooden shoes. And your goddamn wooden shoes. Wait, I think that's Holland. A Holland stereotype. Yeah. Stereotyping everybody tonight because we've been doing the Fulci. The Fulci. He appreciates the Scandinavia. <laughs> so, yeah. um, House by the fucking Cemetery, man. It's my favorite of the trilogy by far. I give it an eight with potential to rise. Oh, shit. Yeah. It was a lot of fucking fun. I recommend this one the most. Well, that was my third oh shit in the last fucking five minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, shit myself. This oh, next shit. recent watch... <laughs> yeah, bud. Yeah, this yeah next... bud. <laughs> this next recent watch, man, what? Is... Man, it's very apropos, like they say over here. I watched Shin Godzilla. Oh, and uh yeah it's a 10 oh damn that's two tens in a row right there my friend um i've had some good recent watches re rewatching shin godzilla this time around instead of the original japanese version which was my first watch i watched the english dub it did not detract from the story at all in fact in some ways mostly visual because in the original Japanese version, you have text constantly popping up on the screen all right. the time. They're telling you where you are, who is talking. They have uh, some papers they're reading over that have all the text on it. And then when you're watching it with the English subtitles, it's it gets kind of fucked up. So the English dub kind of helped. And that's kind of what – I mean I grew up watching Godzilla with the English dubs. So, it, you know, it lends a little bit of humor, but – Oh, definitely. Not, I, I I wouldn't say with this movie, though. I would say this movie, much like the original, is very dark and dramatic. And I'm going to I'm, I'm sure I'm going to talk about this movie again one day. But, yeah, I said it already. It's a fucking 10 out of 10. I love this as a Godzilla film. This movie is fucking amazing, man. It's, you want to talk about a reboot or a remake that changes the very idea of what the next Godzilla film could be and what Godzilla could be. Right. Like I said, apropos for tonight's episode. So Shin Godzilla, 10 out of 10, check that shit out. Fucking watch it. Did you, did you find the president's voice and mannerisms were funny? The uh, Japanese prime minister. I saw the humor in the, uh, the like bureaucracy of everything, but they were, right. they were pointing it out. Um, so I, I'm going to be honest. No, like I was, I was just kind of hooked on, what just, was happening and, and the fact that they were trying to move from step to step in the way they knew how, how they were trained and then trained, but dealing with something unprecedented, like a fucking big Tatai climbing out the <laughs> ocean and fucking wrecking, wrecking shop everywhere, mindlessly crashing over buildings and screaming into the sky and then blasting radioactive fire and lasers. Are, yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> that movie <laughs> Like the original, man, that movie is just, it's like a perfect reboot. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, I still find comedy in in the overdubbing, but I love it. All Mm -hmm. it does is add add to the movie for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a particular scene in one of the many bureaucratic uh, happenings in the fucking movie where... um, You'll laugh at how many times they say, okay, now that we've figured this out, let's let's go to have a meeting now in the, this office. And it's, and, and the rebel, the, the, the rebel guy who, who doesn't want to play by the rules, um, his, his associate calls him a rebel, right? uh, but it kind of warns him too. Like, but you know, watch your step sort of, he, he's so frustrated with the red tape and, you know, a lot of people are, we all are, we're, life's red fucking tape deep deep ass movie sorry go ahead what 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 you 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 were saying you found funny oh there's just one scene in particular where they're going through the thing you know doing a thing and uh they're like so yeah we understand mr prime minister that this is a difficult decision but we need you to make one and he just kind of like you could tell he's kind of been not paying as much attention as he should and so he yeah. kind of nods and then he notices they're still looking at him so he's like his now? face changes and he's like, "What? Huh? No!" <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. No, you're right. You're right, man. I might have been watching. I might have smiled when he when he did that. Right, I, right. Because yeah, they do have those moments. They do. It, you're right. There there are moments of humor like that. What um, was that 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 uh Japanese American chick? Like she was like the. Uh... Her role was more effective in the Japanese uh, version of the film, in my opinion only because she would break into English sometimes. And when you're yeah. watching the, the Japanese version, it actually makes itself known. The she English sexy show, though. But, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my comment for, for her. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What you got? So I've got as above, so below from 2014 found footage found footage um not something i'm usually like you know what let me take a step back i'm normally kind of neutral towards it 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 doesn't do it for me or break it for me you know so when i started watching this movie i was like okay whatever i was just scrolling through netflix looking for something and um i stumbled on this and i got captivated by the story Mm-hmm. I got captivated quickly. This is like some found footage Indiana Jones medieval fucking <laughs> magic shit, man. Some medieval occult shit. I mean, needless to say, I'm floored. I feel like this movie was made precisely for me. It's yeah. the real city of the dead underneath Patty. Right. It, yeah, they actually filmed there, which is fucking awesome, man. Um, yep. Dude, like. I don't want to say too much about the movie because uh, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, it's really fucking good. I love it. It's my favorite found footage movie. Wow. I give it an 8.5. Yep. Th- this is a found footage hidden gem. Uh, it was dismissed when it was released, but go watch it because I don't have a rating for it. I haven't seen it in oh. several years, but I-, I do remember really enjoying this movie. Um. You're going to have to edit that. I give it an eight, apparently. I thought I gave it an eight, five. I just looked at it. So, yeah, I give it an eight with potential to go up, you know. Not editing that. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Don't edit it. Then. And that's all I've got to say about that. That sounded more like Hank Hill instead of Forrest. 
Well, that's all I've got to say about that. About what, Bobby? Damn it, Bobby. Oh, oh. Well, well, I'll tell you what. (laughs) And that's That's all I've got to say about that. That's that's right, Bobby. We know about Ranchero Unicorno. (laughs) What? Hank Hank finds the secret unicorn ranch in Bobby's uh, closet. And on the heels of that... More laughing, oh, more laughing that they don't even understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm Are gonna they follow. Having up. a psychotic break. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it gets delirious at night. Um, uh, <laughs> following two ten out of ten watches, another ten out of ten. Oh shit! Um, another another part of a Joe Blow <laughs> horror show episode. Yeah, but Hogzilla? No, no. <laughs> uh, Rosemary's Baby. And anyone who's heard my uh, Halloween episode from 2019, the top whatever number I did, favorite films, subject to change. <laughs> As it always does, you know, liquid. It's liquid, man. It's you know what that fluid. means. Yeah, it's fluid. Come on, man. You know Come what that on, means? Man. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. You know the thing, the liquid thing. Give me a little break here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> it's fucking amazing, dude. That movie is a slow burn motherfucking masterpiece in, from 1968. 68, yeah. and it's still so fucking fresh. Like, I love that movie. I love it. I'm not going to say anything about it because we will talk about that film one day. 10 out of 10. I need to rewatch it. Um, I think maybe I was tired or something because I, I, I'm sure I, I was nodding off. I, I know I missed some things and uh, I didn't come away with it away from it with a, a, a real appreciation like I expected to. So I'm going to give it a rewatch one of these days. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you know, and not, I'm not saying this is like everyone has to love this movie, but yeah. I mean, I know it's a cla- I'm I'm sure it's a classic, you know, but they should film for a reason, you know? <laughs> no. Oh, I was being like a dick. I was like, but they should, they should. Love it. <laughs> they, no, I mean, yeah, dude. Yeah. Check it out again. Um, I remember I think, a few key scenes from it that I won't spoil because they're batshit crazy. You know what I'm talking about. There's a there. Yeah. And there, there's a, a sense of dread that just keeps, building and building and when you finally get to the end and uh, the performances and uh, i yeah there's a there's an episode already about it for um you know from the joe blow horror show and we will cover it here on the nightclub as well uh, i hope so um uh, you know I'm down. if ricky if ricky doesn't like it enough to talk about because we don't we're not we're not doing midnight rituals on films we don't like it's not happening um I mean, you know, it's a democracy here, you know, two out of three, right? You want to do the fucking, you want to do a movie, you want to do Silent Hill Revelations, bruh? Midnight Ritual? If you and Angel do, then I'll do it. Hell no. That shit shit ain't happening, man. All right. So the next movie, (laughs) the next movie. (laughs) Why is is it funny? Oh, Oh, shit. The next movie I have is one that you suggested for me a while back. It stars Rick Moranis. Yes. 1986. 
Little Shop of Horrors, one of the few musicals that are beloved to me. This film is amazing. The tunes are all infectious, catchy. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, they're like sarcastic, you know, like ironically sarcastic a lot of the time. You know, Dark humor. Exactly. It, it's, it's great. It's fucking awesome. The uh, practical effects are mind-blowing. Rick Moranis is a treasure. I love him. Oh, yes. That guy from the Four Tops, I can't remember his name right now. The one who uh who does the voice for the plant. Oh, uh yeah. I don't <laughs> I can't remember his name, but that motherfucker is amazing. Great fucking voice, great singing and, and voice acting. Um, yes. amazing animatronics and puppetry, man. Like god oh, yeah. damn. Uh I don't wanna take over it. Keep going. Fucking um what's his name? Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and steve martin and steve martin man god yes. damn these characters are so amazing my wife had to go to the dentist the other day and she actually I'll be made a dentist. <laughs> she I'll made a reference all the pain i'll inflict okay i'm sorry <laughs> she was making uh references to the dentist about this movie and he was laughing so i guess oh, she liked he, it too she liked it he knew it Right, she was making references, and he was like, "Oh, the dentist!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was laughing. He was I'm, like, I'm, "I won't do, I won't do what he does. I promise." And she was like, "She was like, well, what if I'm like Bill Murray?" <laughs> Is that a gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, those two motherfuckers. That little, I guess, subplot right there is amazing. You like that, huh? I love it. I love okay. it so much. You got to check out the original then. Okay, I didn't know there was an original. There you this go. is a remake. Damn. Yeah, I, sa- I saved this little bit of trivia for you. This is a remake of a black and white, I believe, 50s film. Could be wrong, but I believe it's 50s. In the original film, the Bill Murray role is played by Jack Nicholson. No shit. <laughs> very, very early in his career. Yeah, and, I've got to um, see that. <laughs> it's not a musical. Like like the remake, but uh, oh okay, it's you know for posterity. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I don't know if I should say my favorite scene or not. I mean, I yeah. think I think people know that it's about a a bad plant who does bad things. It doesn't matter. We're spoil spoil, spoil it spoil away. Okay, it's so the fucking nightclub man, we didn't say no spoilers. So the the stop fucking, listening. Yeah, stop listening, audience. God damn it. So <laughs> or skip ahead. Sorry. <laughs> So the fucking plant gets the gun from Seymour and starts shooting at him. And when that happened, I was just like, this is a cosmic horror. I was like, this, this is cosmic. This plant is cosmic. This movie is cosmic. And my whole life is cosmic now because of this movie. So there you have it, folks. Oh, shit. Well, I'm, I'm anxious to hear your rating. Oh, fucking nine out of 10 with potential to go up. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. On the first watch, that's really good for me, man, because I'm the type of person I, I normally don't catch everything on the first watch. I'm a rewatch guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I And I that's typically when I learn to love movies is on rewatch after rewatch. So I can tell this one's got a lot of potential to go up. If you haven't seen it, go fucking look at it. It's wonderful. Yep. As he said, it's wonderful. Uh, I know the songs. I know the movie. 
And uh, like like a, I previously said, if you've heard the episode where I talked about my favorites, you know how I feel about it. So I break out into songs from it at work now. Like it just randomly pops in my head, certain songs. Down on Skid Row. Yeah, bro. Feed Me Seymour. Especially uh, Feed Me Seymour. You know. Oh, it's it's great. Uh, the song, even when he's he's like going about his day and he sees the plant at that shop. That's that's one of my favorite songs, actually. Yeah, that little Shadu. that little. They're like yeah. Shadu, and Shadu. he's like, I was walking along. Yes, that was awesome. And dude, Rick Mor- <laughs> Rick Moranis can sing, man. Yeah, dude, I, I was impressed. And his poor uh, abused uh, friend. I feel slash... so bad for her with her crazy voice love interest but she's the best though she's wonderful yeah dude i was laughing though, she, she's I was... like she's like you're being hysterical yeah <laughs> she slaps him. <laughs> yeah yeah she was a great character man and i, I love her i love i loved i mean i hated it but i loved her relationship with the with the abusive asshole right because steve martin like, as the uh, the dentist <laughs> because at one point he's fussing and like he like makes her push start the mower the, the mower goddamn he makes <laughs> oh. her push start the motorcycle while he's on it and like yeah she falls off and he doesn't bother stopping he just expects her to catch up to it and stuff it's, it's like, a dick God, man this fucking dude is a piece of shit man <laughs> and yes there is a giant plant that eats people so right, right. <laughs> go, go check this movie out man this movie is fucking amazing it's it's, it's fucking awesome, bro. And it's a great, like you said, the perfect word, infectious yeah. musical. Like you, you, you get the groove like, gets su- gets just sucks you in, bro, and it stays in your head forever. Hell yeah! Feed all right, well, me Seymour, <laughs> feed me all night Sorry. long. Sorry, hold on, do that again. But wait, <clears throat> don't be coughing okay. while I'm trying to sing, bro. I, I'm sorry, I can't. Feed me Seymour. All right, man. <laughs> You're up. That's another right. thing. <laughs> From my last recent watch, um I've got another 2020. Oh snap. Possessor. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think, man? Wow. Yeah, bro. This move this movie is like uh it's almost like if Christopher Nolan directed a horror film. It's okay. kind of the way I felt about it. Um, very intelligent script, story, uh, cinematography, amazing. Amazing. The, go- yeah. the gore is so fucking real. Yeah. Um, but this film was directed by uh, Brandon Cronenberg, the the son of David Cronenberg, body horror master, and uh, he he lives up to that expectation in this film. I'd say there's some haunting imagery. With the oh, mask, uh, the mask. That's what I was gonna oh, say. Oh my god, mask. dude! I, 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 no spoilers here. No, this is so new. Not. I'm not gonna spoil this. Yeah. Um, very. <laughs> Ricky said it to me when he he watched it first, and he was like, "Dude, check it out. It's cerebral, and it is. It's you know, pay attention. But even when you pay attention, it's still gonna throw shit at you that that's you might have thought, but." it it's still like you don't you don't know you don't know what's going to happen you don't know what's going on based on what certain characters are saying and doing and 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 that's all based on the premise of the film which i'm not going to even give away fuck no it's a it's a potential mind fuck i'd say that potential mind fuck it's it's very good very good film um rating wise at this moment i would give it an 
it's very fresh. So it's kind of hard to say, but I, 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 <laughs> Ricky's going to be like, okay, I'd give it an 8.5. Oh, um, okay. close, really close to mine. And, and I think I will rewatch it before the uh, end of the year, but right now I have to still kind of process it because There's a I lot. was, it's a lot going on. It's well, a lot to take in rather. It, 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 it's that, but, but, but it's it, more so it's, I'm, I'm holding it up against another 8.5 that I have that I'm like, I think I like the message in this film more because yeah. the message in possessor Eh, it's fucked. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's fucked. Uh, <laughs> so dark, dark movie. Uh, so far, I have not given anything from 2020 higher than that rating. So that's where I stand with, with, with that right now, for right now. Word. What was your rating, man? Oh, you want, oh, man, Uh, off Jump Street, man, I was like, this is a nine with potential to increase on future watches. So, yeah, I'm glad you liked it, man. Mm-hmm. fucking amazing loved it onward <laughs> oh shit oh shit all, all right. right well what's your last film dude this one is a national fucking treasure okay starring and nicholas nicholas cage what? oh and the, if i remade it it sure would mm. but it's a national treasure from 1981 in the country of indonesia called <laughs> mystics in bali oh shit Boy, oh boy. I heard about this movie very recently listening to a uh, podcast called Witchfinger. Witchfinger Podcast. Shout out to y'all. Um, shout I, out Witchfinger. Shout out Witchfinger Podcast. Um, I had never heard of this film before, so I just decided to check it out this morning. This is fun. This is a lot of fun. This is uh, extremely subpar acting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's extremely, it's extremely poor overdubbing, awesomely poor special effects, practical <laughs> effects. Yeah, uh, yeah. The cinematography is oof, but but I like it. Like like, I mean, it's like better than Night of the Demon in that respect. But I mean, you know, it's 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 still good in all the bad ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh. <laughs> Boy, this this one just it's a it's a folk horror, which I know you dig and you yeah, know I yeah. dig. Um folk yep. horror, fucking awesome shit, man. In- like, Indonesian vampire, right? You said Right, right. Um which is a floating vampire head complete with entrails hanging below that goes around and looks for fetuses to devour straight from <laughs> straight out the vagina. They, Straight out the vagines. Yes, bro. She flies in through the window and she eats that baby straight out of the bitch. It looks like something from fucking Reanimator. It's amazing. The Vahigna ve- is an infantile buffet. Yes, it's wonderful, <laughs> dude. It it it. I just I can't say I'm I'm kind of high on this movie right now. I oh god, special effects are awesome. There's some awesome. <laughs> There's a, <laughs> and it's funny you're laughing because I swear <laughs> to God, like there's this witch character and she spends half of your time watching the movie laughing maniacally <laughs> during inappropriately during dialogue. Um, there's this weird like love interest subplot between the main character 
and uh the guy who introduces her to the witch like like it's obviously they they want to fuck but he kind of like always shies away from it until she's like sleeping or something he's got kind of like a weird like rapey thing going like i don't know man. It's, it's great man um there's an awesome wizard battle at the end full of like fucking tron level special effects you know <laughs> yeah like, yeah like the light the lightning sparks and shit. yes bro it's yeah. so good man uh on, on front street i i have seen a lot of the film i have not seen the whole film from start to uh finish so i, I can't have a rating or a good memory of it but i yeah. i remember certain things like that and also i want to point out to anyone listening go watch on cinemassacre.com Go watch Monster Madness. Uh, James Rolfe covers Ricky mentioned Night of the Demon. Oh, yeah, and, boy. And also this film, Mystics in Bali. Uh, he, he covers them in these short, it's like five-minute reviews, and they're fucking hilarious. And they're the depth. best. Yep. They're the, the best, best, man. The best. Um, Mystics in Bali, man, this is going to change my life. I can tell already. Oh, God damn. <laughs> Just like Night of the Demon, man. I'm a new man after watching it. Uh, we haven't even, we haven't even talked about that movie yet, dude. Everything. You know, we're we're going to, don't, don't worry. Audience, <laughs> audience we're going to, audience, we're going to cover these motherfucking movies in depth. Um, this, this is going to change your life. You got to see it. It might not, it might not have been cosmic when they made the movie. But it's, it's cosmic. definitely cosmic now. <laughs> um, yeah, if you watch this movie, you will become cosmically indifferent and enlightened <laughs> in all the best ways, dude. Which is the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly. It's it's incredible, man. I fucking nine out of ten with potential to rise. God damn. I I just, dude. I feel like I could watch this all the. T- just like Night of the Demon, I feel like I could watch this <laughs> all the time. The only difference, the only difference is there's a some of the dialogue scenes drag on a little too yeah. much and it gets a little boring. The only thing that kind of saves it is the dialogue is so fucking bad and so acted that it it still makes me laugh. But you know, I mean, it is what it is, man. You know, sometimes you can only polish a turd so much and it'll only shine so much. This one shines fucking brighter than anything else in my life. So it's a aside diamond from in the rough. Demon, huh? <laughs> it's a diamond in the rough. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the diamond and the rough, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, man. We're, we're going to have to put this one on when you uh, come back from work. It's fucking incredible. It's on YouTube. Check a motherfucker out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's some uh again we we peered beyond the veil you you know what uh we've been watching um mystics in bali oh yeah ricky highly recommends garbage day (laughs) you know what i'm doing yeah i know what you're doing that's coming that's That's gonna come (laughs) it's gonna come all over our face neck and chest (laughs) and 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 leak out the blood (laughs) into into each other's mouths. Oh, yeah. I I thought of the the uh, waffle cones. Oh shit! Ice cream in. Yeah. <laughs> Just ga- gather the cum up in an ice cream cone. Oh and, god! Mm, I don't know. <laughs> How many licks to the center of the waffle cone? Oh. 
How many licks to the center of cosmic indifference? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Holy. Owl, why, why doesn't the little boy have pants on when he goes visit Mr. Owl? You ever notice that? No. He's not wearing pants. That's weird. He just got a shirt on. I huh. think I think something's up with that owl. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Existential dread is something we all experience, though it comes quicker to someone on the wrong end of a blade or a bullet. It can overthrow your senses when the scales are completely tipped to one side. Even a mildly learned, traveled, or just somewhat well-competent adult can be reduced to that of an infant. A staggering gulf of uncertainty in the face of all our logic and all of our wisdom now give that dread over to the unknown and what knowing will do to our minds a sudden epiphany or a slow drink is all it takes to break someone driving them to death and madness on the black mountain side we learn that man should not uncover things they were meant to know Tonight's Midnight Ritual, we're going to cover 2016's Black Mountainside, written and directed by Nick Shostakovsky. If you have not seen this film, cry off now. That's where the tape goes in, and Bruce Campbell's like, Why are you doing this? Why are you torturing me like this? Why? And then you hear, and then the bitches are like, Black Mountainside is a 2016 Canadian horror film, as I just said. Uh, unbeknownst to the creator, Nick Shostakovsky, it is a cosmic horror film. I don't think he... Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> Stay tuned after um, The Midnight Ritual because, yeah, that's the surprise. If you don't follow us on social media or if you didn't read the description of the episode, we're going to talk to the writer and director. So we were lucky enough to get him on. But uh, the disparity here is, and this is often the case with independent horror films uh, or, or mainstream ones in general, you'll have a release date that's at a festival or some special screening in like one or two cities in, in this movie's case, 2014, but it doesn't get released widestream, well, wide, mainstream, widestream, mainstream, wide release, whatever, until February of 2016. That's so, what happens when you cross streams. Yeah. It gets wider. You confuse Travis, and I don't like it, okay? 
I, I'm going to go ahead and chalk it up to 2016, though, just for the sake of everyone got to potentially see it then. So um, the budget, I, I mean, I'm sure it's a low-budget film. I, I don't remember if uh, Shostakovsky said the Ooh, budget. Oh, you know what? He did. He did? Yeah. Well, You don't remember? Nope. He said about 350. Okay, it's about 350. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it, shit, dude, if it is just... Tree Fitty, he did a lot with that. Oh, hell yeah. This movie is shot on location in the true north, up in Canada, and my God, they capture the majesty of that region. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, the opening shot, right? Yeah. I mean, right away. It's gorgeous. When it comes to a low-budget film like this, you think, oh, fuck, you know, one of the first things to go by the wayside is probably the cinematography because they're using cheaper equipment and stuff like that. Right. Mm-mm. No. This movie opens up right away and fucking blows your mind. Um, upon its initial release, this movie won a ton of awards. Best Feature at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in 2015. It won that. I remember seeing that. Best Screenplay at the same festival. It won Best Cinematography at Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival. And uh, again, Cinematography at the Leo Awards. It was nominated for that one and nominated for Sound Editing. So, wow. it, yeah, it, it's, it's got some, uh, and I'm sure there's some other awards and whatnot under its belt. Go to uh, CanuckCreatures.com. That's the director's official website. Um, it'll, there'll be a link to it in the show notes, and you can find out a lot more interesting stuff there about the film. But, uh, well, the basic premise, before we jump right into it, is a group of archaeologists in the Arctic Circle have uncovered something that they think could be a lot older than the area or the, the depth of the, the sediment they've dug to would allow for. So what they're finding shouldn't exist where it exists. And there's a professor who's flown up to the site, the farthest northern fucking site in the entire continent, and he's going to do a report on these findings. I think I think when I... Yeah, I, found, I first heard about this movie when we were looking up um, some, some cosmic horror movies for our list because we did a cosmic horror episode. Right. Uh, a few a few back and we hadn't yet seen this movie which was kind of cool because we got to discover it and I know you rewatched it specifically just to do this oh yeah as did I um it's a great movie it's great great it's the true true it's the true true The film opens with a roaring arctic blast of wind against a black backdrop reading Northern Taiga Cordella. I think that's how you say that. Taiga. Taiga, Taiga, Taiga. <laughs> Birdie. <laughs> Birdie, bird. Um, this is in Canada. And we get a brief shot of a snow-covered wilderness followed by text saying, Area population, less than 100. And then the sunny, uh, the Sunnyvale trailer park theme music kicks on, <laughs> and you hear the kids and the cars. And oh yeah, before Ricky, before Ricky, going, uh, <laughs> Ricky's asleep on the side of the fucking road. <laughs> <laughs> fucking chicken tenders all over. Chicken tenders, chicken tenders, and his um, and his uh, outside water hose Kool Aid. <laughs> 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 When he starts drinking out of cat bowls for like that little while, that's just, and they just go with it. Like Julian has his glass, 
Bubbles just kind of works with whatever he gets his hand on, but but Ricky, they always fill up that fucking cat bowl for him. <laughs> it's the piss jugs. Oh, oh yeah, look at piss jugs. Always finding piss jugs. Oh, I had to. I had, I struggled so hard not to talk. To this guy about Trailer Park Boys. Like, I had to keep checking myself. Well, if he hears this episode, he's going to hear this. He's going to know. He's going to know. So, sorry, Mr. Uh, Shostakovsky, but... um, Shostakovsky. Shostakovsky. I I behaved. I I didn't bring up Trailer Park Boys once with you. Thank you. Does he not like Trailer Park Boys? We don't know, but we we wanted to find out. He's Canadian, so... Yeah. I was like, man, you want to ask him... Because it's a cultural thing, perhaps. Perhaps. We don't probably know. more famous. But, uh, yeah. So, okay. Gorgeous mountain ranges and frozen <laughs> Arctic lakes tell of a land far out from any hints of civilization. Before we see several cabins buried in snow and a deep red title card overlaid. Black Mountainside. November 1st. Inside one of the cabins here at Station 291, four excavators are sitting at a round table playing cards and drinking while they talk about what they plan to do after the job is finished. In his office, the head excavator and project leader Jensen is playing some 8-bit computer game and is called via walkie-talkie to greet an approaching helicopter. Professor Motherfucking Olsen, a.k.a. Big Peter Dinklage. Regular size Peter Dinklage. Yeah, regular <laughs> regular size Peter Dinklage. Arrives and meets the inhabitants of the camp previously playing cards, which are Francis Monroe, the project director, Drew McNaughton, the equipment technician, Robert Michael Giles, field supervisor, and Dr. Richard Anvers. I think that's how they say his name. Anders. It's a weird spelling. Uh, medical supervisor. I'm just gonna say I like all of their names in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have they have really good names. The memorable names, right? Yeah. They set they assign them pretty well too. Yeah, they don't call like most of them say the last name, right? When they're talking to each other, but McNaughton, yeah, Olson. But, but they don't call Francis. They don't call him Monroe, really, huh? Right. They call him fucking. Uh, oh yeah, Olson's first name is Pierce. Not right. that doesn't matter because I'm not gonna refer to him as that ever again. Yeah, he's regular size Dinklage. Yeah. Oh, the the the. That's likewise, guy. That's, that's likewise. likewise. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's he, likewise. The whole my boy. We, well, we're about to get to the scene where we're just gonna get like up, like fucking Mike Tyson knockout blows one after the other of likewise. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking. There's only five of them. It, but is hold, there really five? Yes. Hold on, hold on. We're gonna get nice. to it. I wanted. I did want to point out though a second ago when you you talked about the music that needs to come in right there. This film takes a bold risk mm-hmm. there is and there's no, gonna be a callback that I have at the end but we'll talk about that later there is no score whatsoever in this entire film yeah. there there is sound design of course um but there's you know, the ambient wind and other things voices like and voices symbols and, I think I might have heard something it definitely works oh yeah oh yeah this this uh it's effective like no country for old men I think it, it really this helps the film transcend what I think I mean I don't know what it was going for other than what it ended up becoming which is completely what took me by surprise on first watch but I'll try to remember that for the end after meeting everybody Francis takes Olsen to the uh, laboratory and he meets Stephen Wells an intern and assistant to Francis it's revealed here that Olsen has come to write up a report of the camp's findings at this northern paleo-indian outpost in the hopes that they will receive more funding to further their endeavor 
this this is where the likewise are, they're all happening right here. Every time yeah. you meet somebody, it's like, oh yeah, likewise. Uh, <laughs> Olsen is Olsen is uh, only privy to the camp's usual Clovis findings, but that it's only due to their very vague details about said findings. He examines a few items, and they seem like standard Clovis findings, except for except that some of the items were dated to fourteen thousand BP, uh, fourteen thousand before present, or whenever cart. Uh, whenever radiocarbon dating was invented. So the movie doesn't bother explaining any of this to the audience either. You, you Like me, you kind of have to go and look it up and be like, I knew what the Clovis people were, but I didn't know what the fuck BP stood for. I was like, was there an oil spill in, in this in this film? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to do it. You know what we're talking about? So we're sorry. We're sorry. On that, on that South like bare skin rug in front of the fire naked. BP decide on South Park. BP's de- apologizing to America, and they get this guy, the spokesperson. He's like, "We're sorry," and then it cut <laughs> like it cuts to another scene of him by the fireplace, like seductively. And he's like, "We're sorry." Remember, what the fuck? remember, yeah. remember all the um. Oh boy, South Park now. Remember all the fucking um. <laughs> Like news footage of like the Louisiana residents that got affected by the BP oil spill in South Park. No, they had this dude and he's talking <laughs> about his shrimp, bro. He's oh just like, yes. When I got on this, all oh, my scrap. What, what I'm going to do with this scrap? <laughs> and they had this one chick that was like, "There's oil all in our house. Where are we supposed to go?" <laughs> Here we could say this shit. Yeah, boy. I was like, damn, for real. That's 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 what them people sounded like. And that's why we make fun of every other fucking thing. Although, although just the way she drew it out, like 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 you hear people say, like, where are we supposed to go? (laughs) Ain't ain't nobody got time for that. Oh God. Francis says that the pottery they found isn't Clovis, but Mesoamerican, which doesn't jive with Olsen. He's kind of shocked, and he gives numerous reasons as to how this pottery could have ended up this far north, uh, possibly like trading and shit like that. Francis then tells him that they've started unearthing... I can't talk. Francis then tells him that they've started... Mm-mm. Francis then tells him that they've started unearthing a structure. Yeah. I need I need water. My mouth is gumming up. Like, like. Oh, gummy mouth. Oh, gummy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dry and shit, you know. Dry gummy ass mouth. You are gummy. I used the wrong word. Y'all are gonna just fucking ride my ass about it. <laughs> poor gummy mouth. <laughs> there he goes, poor old gummy mouth. This <laughs> mouth's always gummy. I don't know. We must pause for a quick break. For gummy mouth needs to get his hydration. My my gummy. Let's have a moment of silence for gummy mouth. <laughs> have a moment of silence for that dryness that's just gone francis then tells him they have unearthed a, uh, i can't do it anyway <laughs> no hope for you we'll never get past this opening scene <laughs> the, we live here in the movie with olsen and francis in that fucking lab oh. wells in the corner fucking going over his paperwork francis yeah oh, oh, we just hear it. oh, oh shit Travis. Oh. <laughs> Why is your mouth so good? But he doesn't. <laughs> but he doesn't know my real name, so he says Arge. Arge. Paula Dean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, PD. 
<laughs> Go back to the beginning. You'll catch the reference. P.D. Francis then tells him that they have started unearthing a structure, which could be <laughs> one of the biggest discoveries in the history of archaeology. So this is big shit. This is, they're going to be big timing in the world of fucking dirt digging motherfuckers, okay? Outside, Giles is showing the top of the structure to Olsen as the workers uncovering it are departing. They are conducting the excavation, and they're from the Dog Rib tribe, hired from the native reserve about 100 miles south of the dig. They're finishing up early due to the lack of sunlight in the winter months, shrouding the expedition in mostly darkness, wherein the crew mostly drinks. That evening, Anvers shows Olsen to his cabin that they are sharing with Ramus, the site chef, and Ramus's cat. The professor is given a loft room upstairs, complete with a shitty bed, a stubborn busted heater, and a noisy laundry room with a uh, ventilation leak right next door. So, welcome to camp, fucking Hell. Professor Professor Olson. Yep, and you have a theory about about the, the room he was given, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I don't know about this. Well, we, we asked the man himself, which you can hear after uh, the, the ritual. But uh, I think that the, the, the crew there gave him the shittiest room in the whole place because fuck, fuck this guy. He's coming here to judge what we've got. And, right. and also, none of them were in there before him. Notice right. that. None right. of them were in that room. No one wanted to be there. Ramus was in that cramped-ass closet room <laughs> instead of being upstairs. So I'm sorry, Mr. Shostakuski. Thank you for being on the show, but I think your character's... Pulled one over on you, sir. I think they put all sin in there on purpose. <laughs> November 7th. Mm-hmm. As, the do- <laughs> as the dog rib continue the dig, Francis... I do want to know more about the dog rib. No, I just, I'm just throwing that out there. Are they a real I don't know. Tribe? I want to know. know. You think I think their name so. is cool. And yeah, I it is cool. I just think... And they scared of animal gods and stuff. Yeah, bro. Like, yeah. I just want to know more about them in general. I hope they're real. So I can go read about them later. We should have researched them for this episode and did, did like a little special on, like a little segment on them. I don't know why I did not think to do that. Pull it up. I can't pull it up right the fuck now. The internet is right here in I front know. of me. I know. It's right at your fingertips. <laughs> wow. Isn't that amazing? It's amazers. It's amazing. Uh, yep. They are a real fucking thing. Awesome. Oh, Lord. It's no more mystery, and you know how I like my mysteries. Oh, you dry. Yeah. So the dog rib, or uh, self-named Fling Chadani, Clicko, or Done, or a group of Athabascan-speaking North American First Nations people inhabiting the forested and barren ground areas between the Great Bear and Great Slave Lakes in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, man. That's legit. And uh, they apparently are uh, of fabled descent from a supernatural dogman. This is tying in nicely to uh, my obsession with werewolves, and I'm now going to explore the dog rib people further, but not on the podcast. So there you go. There's your live update, everybody. Hell yeah. We now know it's real. Sorry we did not present something in honor of them. We're going to make a werewolf movie about the dog rib people. We're going to make our own Canadian horror movie. Hell yeah, It's going to be cosmic. It's going to be cosmic and werewolves. Oh, bruh. Yeah, boy. And remember how I said how I said I wanted to make a movie before? Mm-hmm. What, all crazy? Yeah. The whole world's all, crazy? All the gratifications after the credits. And oh, it's upside oh. down. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everything just builds up to nothing throughout the whole film. 
if this but, movie does well, then I will invest in that side project. <laughs> <laughs> Cast for it though. Oh shit! No, no, no. We can't do this right now. Yeah. Why? Because we can throw Nick Cage in there though. Oh know? yeah, yeah. Nick Cage is the tribal elder. <laughs> he what? He's you know, he's not a yeah. Well, I guess so. I don't he know. He could be a werewolf hunter. I'd have to give this thought. That's what I'm saying. I can't do this right now. What's that dude's name? Gerard Butler. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. He could be in it. That'd be all right. That's my boy. My from, boy, good boy, three hundred. Yeah. <laughs> if we he, can put uh, Madison, what's her name in it from uh, Bliss? What about Ma- Emma, can we put Emma Stone in it too? Yes. Yeah. I love Emma Stone. All right, if we're doing this, then I'm casting Bill Mosley. He's coming. Hell yeah! Come on, Bill. And I, I'm getting, I'm getting Madison. What's her name? I can't remember her name. The the lead actress from Bliss. That's my girl. He's basically, Bill Mosley's basically going to be... The, um, can, can we get the dad from Sinister? He's, I like him. What's his name? Oh, Ethan Hawke? Yeah. yeah. Is he going to be drunk? Yeah. 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 The whole time. And Bill Mosley's going to be Otis Driftwood from the zombie fi- Rob Zombie films. Oh, yeah. But he's going to basically just be like the from the first one where he's really spouting philosophical shit and right. out, of your, out of your mind shit. Right. And then he transforms into a werewolf. Nice. Yeah, and he wears like a little necklace that's got teeth on it. Hell yeah. Like fangs. And a shirt that says run, rabbit, run. So November 7th, as the dog rib continue the dig, Francis and Olsen examine the top of the structure to find what appear to be faded carvings of something vaguely Mesoamerican, something like a hunting ritual. In his office, Jensen is sipping a drink, kind of reminded me of Julian there, and radios their outpost for supplies, namely milk, eggs, and cigarettes. As the sun sets again, some of the men, including Jensen, Giles, and Anders, as well as Wells, as well as Wells, are toasting to whiskey and porn, and uh, to the crew of the greatest archaeological find possibly ever. They ask Olsen if he thinks the structure is the temple, but he seems skeptical. Naughton proposes aliens as the ones responsible for the structure, and it's met with ridicule and laughter. And laughter, yeah. Because <laughs> it's a fucking joke. Over in the lab, Wells is becoming increasingly frustrated while looking for a certain file, so Francis tells him to call it a night. And he calls it a night. Yeah. November 10th, Jensen is going through some paperwork while Giles radios for him to come down to the site. Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to the soundscape of icy, howling winds placed before the structure's ancient ruin is a ripped and torn cat carcass. Ramus's cat, to be exact. Jensen- oh, they spooked, son. Well, oh, they spooked. They haunt them. Yeah. Oh, they haunt no, bad. Said, we out of here. Fuck this They haunt, haunt, guys. yeah. It ain't, well. I'm going to just start putting some Cajun French in this podcast so no like, one knows what the fuck we're saying. Oh, they was haunt them. <laughs> Shit's all mad. Oh, shit, LeMay. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> May what? Oh, May what? Hosh patat. Oh, yeah, boy. Um. God damn. Is that a real one? Yeah, yeah boy. Don't drop that? the potato. <laughs> don't drop the potato. That's literally what that means. It's like saying, don't drop the ball. Yeah, don't give it up. It sounds stupid. Yeah, oh. I love it. I like it, but it sounds stupid. It sounds fake. No, no, that's real. Oh. My papa used to add another another two words at the end of it that made that kind of racist, so I'm not going to go into that. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. 
Baffled but anxious to get it out of the way, Jensen radios Drew and asks him point blank if he killed the cat. To which McNaughton says, nope, I didn't do it. You'll figure it out. I believe Believe in you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, because... One of my favorite exchanges in the movie. Oh, we missed that part. When you you were saying that all the natives are are haunt... Their yeah. haunt, haunt ball. They haunt shook. Ball. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they shook. They shook, shook. <laughs> the 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 reason that um the reason that Jensen's even calling McNaughton to begin with is because the crew leader, which I forget his name, right. of, the, of the dog rib workers, is like I, I saw, I saw McNaughton do it straight up. Yeah, it was him. And, and Jensen's even sitting there like this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, so it, um, the guy said he said he saw you. Yeah, he's. He said he saw me. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> he just, nope. I didn't do it. I like how matter of fact it is to the point to where I believe him. This comes into play later. Like, well, who the fuck did kill that cat? I agree. Yeah. That's... I hadn't thought about this until he my, killed my... It. who? He killed it. He was like a... Yeah. Why? Because they get, they like, they go in and out because of this, like. Who goes in and out? I don't know about McNaughton, but. Several of them, like, when they are, like, um, hearing this and seeing things, mm-hmm. they black out. Do it they? Like comes and goes. Yeah. Do, yeah. do they so, black out, though? Yeah, so, like, I think he really saw McNaughton do it, and McNaughton doesn't remember it. Hmm. Or was it McNaughton? It was one of them. No, but what I'm saying is that they saw McNaughton, but was it? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Because later in the movie, well, we'll get to it. Jensen doesn't think these are blackouts. He remembers them as as dreams. But uh, right. So November fifteenth, Olsen awakens to angry exchanges over the walkie-talkies and comes downstairs to find out that all of the dog rib have left. Giles finds some tracks indicating the dog rib left for the reserve <laughs> on foot in the middle of the night. It's like fifty below zero. They were scared. The crew speculate that the cat's death spooked them and sent them fleeing due to their superstitious beliefs rooted in dog rib mythology. To their people, animals can come in the form of demons and gods. Suddenly, Wells pukes blood or some dark substance all over the table. Anvers takes him to the medical cabin while Jensen tries in vain to radio their supply outpost. The supplies never arrived, the dog rib have abandoned the dig, and Wells is... Apparently sick. All that shit went down, dude. Just boom, boom, boom. I think this is this boom. is like the, the like lasers yeah. hit the water. Boom. Cats presented before the structure top. Boom. <laughs> Giant deer daddies in the forest. Boom. <laughs> Cosmic deer daddy ball. Shit. Okay, we getting there. Yeah, we getting there. Um, but I think it's it's. To me, the movie is a slow burn throughout, but right. I, but I think there still is pacing where or, or like beats where it starts to increase the tension and ratchet it up and start to make you wonder like okay because yeah you're right it could have been McNaughton and before you see everything in the films we haven't even gotten to it yet you're starting to put things together I was trying to like goddamn all these people left so they're apparently freaked out by something. Yeah. Um, I knew it was a cosmic horror movie because of the list I found it on, so I was waiting for that swerve. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be this good, but... Right, right. Holy shit. How about how about uh, Homeboy just fucking straight up random puking blood and shit all over the place? Yeah. It was terrible. It was almost like, to me, it reminded me sort of of the alien chestburster scene. 
I agree. Yeah. Like it's just a sudden shock to the audience because they're just sitting there talking right beforehand. Just like in the chestburster scene, yeah, they're just doing their thing. I mean, it's there's already shit going on, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's kind of the same. So this is the big day. This is this is your birthday, November eighteenth. Get a party. Oh, bro, it's like a party it's at camp. Or a st- station 291, yeah. <laughs> they in the nightclub now, boy. Oh, you can find me in the nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> so Jensen and Giles decide to follow the we dog. We ought to try to get 50 Cent on the show. No. No, <laughs> I agree. That's not. <laughs> Jensen and Giles decide to follow the dog ribs tracks and leave Francis and McNaughton in charge of monitoring the radios. Wells is being seen by Dr. Anvers and is visibly sick and gray. His appetite is gone, he isn't sleeping, and Anvers deduces that he has the flu and prescribes him things to combat it. As they stop for a break, Giles and Jensen discover that the dog rib have gone in the opposite direction of the reserve, which spells certain death for the workers. So, yeah, they're they're spooked, and to me there's sort of elements of the Dyatlov Pass incident in this. Um... Yeah. Anyone who has not heard of that. that Russian shit. Yeah, go check that story out if we don't eventually cover it one day because that's actually one of my favorite still to this day unsolved mysteries. So, Ooh. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, I know you're very in, intrigued Ooh. right now Ooh. with this mystery. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> you hear the intrigue, folks? Does <laughs> the audience hear the intrigue? Does anyone hear a waterfall? No. Nope. Okay. No. Alston and Francis are still working in a the meantime. Pristine, glistening waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> Splashing on some rocks. It's mystical. People are people are like bathing in it. It loves a good mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's an inside joke going on right now that no one knows about. Alston and Francis are still working in the meantime, examining the findings of the dig. <laughs> While McNaughton talks with them and fumbles with some of the tools and items on the table, which aggravates Francis. He I tells, love that, too. He's like, stop that. <laughs> we didn't say either. Francis is like some uh, Norwegian or Scandinavian descent. Is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. He's got yeah. like a different accent going on. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, See, I'm pretty sure Olsen is, too, because Olsen's totally a Scandinavian name. But oh, Really? Totally, yeah. Well, son of old of descent, yeah, but but I mean, but well, not I guess, someone who lives there. Yeah, that's right. what I'm. I meant more to say, like he's from gotcha. there. Gotcha. While discussing the fact that they are the farthest northern outpost, Francis snaps and yells at McNaughton for continuing to tinker with his equipment. Stop that! I was like, God damn, dude! Same old stupid shit. Dad just slapped mom at the fucking dinner table. Yeah, yeah. Brother. And Olsen was like, Oh, daddy, no. <laughs> With fuel for their generators running low and enough food for only two weeks, it is clear the total isolation and circumstances of their situation are starting to affect the men. McNaughton attempts to repair Jensen's radio but finds nothing wrong with it, which he proves when Jensen radios into his own frequency. By a rock formation outside of camp, Francis tells Olsen that this could signify an important place to the ancient people, such as a ceremonial burial ground, a recurring settlement, or parallel to the ritual carvings. A hunting spot. Though deer are present in these woods, so are bears. But Francis says the area is covered with bear traps, put down by the dog rib in the 1930s. So no worries. You're not going to have some bear raiding camp. Because that would right. be some shit. They're fucking out there trying to un- uncover. Oh, yeah. And all the dog rib people get eaten. 
Right. Because everyone else is inside chilling because they're American and whatnot. <laughs> no. mm-hmm. Damn privileged motherfuckers. <laughs> well, they're privileged Canadians, but still. They make, but they're making the natives work after they took their shit. Right, right. <laughs> you, you uncover this whole crap your people made. Right. <laughs> we didn't fucking bury it here. You did, asshole. We're trying to learn about it. Why are you being dicks? <laughs> <laughs> trying to write about it in books, bro. <laughs> can't you get learnt, man? Can't you get learnt? <laughs> Francis then says that the stones have been placed here for hundreds of years and suspects this location has been marked for thousands of years, the people of the land keeping a close eye on it. However, during the Ice Age, tribes were never stationary, but Station 291's findings date back to a little before that time. A settlement then would make no sense without a specific purpose or point of importance to those ancient peoples. With cabin fever in full swing, Giles screams at me. Oh, yeah, this is right after that. McNaughton's throwing that that fucking oh, ball yeah, up against the thing. cabin because he's so fucking bored and it's bouncing back at him. Giles comes marching down the hill. Oh, yeah. Why don't fucking stop throwing that ball? Like, go back to work. Right. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with the radio. I don't care. Fix it. <laughs> I like I like how he's like, you are the equipment technician, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah? Well, if you're not going to go back to work, knock it off with the goddamn ball. <laughs> Dude. He's always, I love how mad he gets. Giles bro. is always telling everyone else how to do their job. I know, I love it. He, he's, he's arguing with him about his equipment. Later right. on, he's going to argue with Anvers about how to fucking explain what the fuck these cells are doing. On Right, right. And I mean, then he argues with Jensen later, too. Off Jump Street, Giles is my favorite character. And you know why. And, yeah. it, and it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> We cut back to that, that brief interlude of ridiculousness to Olsen and Francis now in the lab. The carvings they are studying don't quite match anything from their expertise, and they appear entirely new to the region. So they've got vague traces of Mesoamerican and different other Clovis findings going on, but it's like, what the fuck is this? And the more I think the more you watch the movie, too, the more you'll see that there's this underlying story that there's a mystery that's sort of unraveling. Slowly, but by the end, I mean... Yeah, it's a giallo, I mean. It's a giallo. <laughs> giallo. It's a giallo. It's a callback. Kaiju giallo. Kaiju giallo. This is, this is a baby kaiju. Oh. Well, he could, if he's like Cthulhu, if... if Well, we haven't even talked about the deer yet. He's, he's yeah. He's that, that deer. The deer. <laughs> Cosmic deer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this movie don't have those things that fly, though. I love all animals and stuff, and, like, fucking gophers and deerts and those fucking things that fly. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, can't even remember. (laughs) But I got no time for fucking seagulls. I just, I got no time for the cocksuckers. (laughs) (laughs) I love Trailer Park Boys. Me too. It's the best. November twenty first. So we're we're getting close to the end of the blood month here, folks. Anvers checks on McNaughton, who has been mostly confined to his room. Just like Wells, he hasn't been eating and presumably hasn't been sleeping. Once again, Olsen is awakened by radio chatter. This keeps happening to this bastard. Something about someone screaming. In the cold of night, Olsen meets Jensen outside and they head for the medical cabin. Inside, a flurry of confusion awaits 
as Francis, Ambers, and Giles are trying to restrain Wells, who's writhing and screaming in agony. They are holding him down to a table, his arms outstretched. Jensen steps in to help hold Wells' right arm, which is bubbling beneath the surface, like something slithering through his skin. In a panic, they all quickly decide to amputate the arm, much to Wells' horror. I mean, the guy's looking over his eyes like, Ah, oh, no! That's <laughs> terrifying. He was like, oh, no, no, no. I like how none of them know what to do, so immediately they're like, cut it off. Right. Just I, cut I it the fuck off. I love that scene so much, man. And like, like well, they someone... They cut it off and they cornerized exactly. it. Like, they did a good job. Someone had yeah. the foresight to be like, well, let's grab that fucking shovel in the fireplace mm-hmm. thing at Majid yeah. and stick it on there. Because <laughs> everyone holds them down. But they're, but they're all survivalists out there, so I mean, they're made to do shit like that. Are they? Pretty I, much. They I, have to withstand extreme, like... I would assume that you'd have, have to have some kind of yeah. survival training to go there. Kind of like... With, you know, when you go offshore, you've got to have your T2 certs and stuff. You know, helicopter survival shit. Well, I'll, I'll give this to Olsen because he's the one that grabs the axe. And it just takes him three cuts. Yeah. Three cuts to get through that fucking arm. And that special effect is awesome. amazing. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I like, you're, you're watching the movie and you're thinking, you know, they're probably going to cut away. Most horror movies right, right. that don't have anything substantial like that necessarily especially if they're not dedicating a budget some of the budget to the effects they're going to cut away and you might see blood fly or whatever but it's the implied horror this movie i was shocked more so they just stayed on it and hit it Uh, they have another cutaway coming later Uh, not a cutaway i'm sorry like uh where it does not cut away you know what i'm talking about yeah i do and we talked to uh Uh, to the director about it yeah yeah yeah, and then it was Anvers, he used, yeah, like you said, that heated up shovel blade to fucking cauterize, and they administer morphine, so Station 291 is just in shambles. Amputated numb shambles. Phantom limb shambles. Oh, a bunch of fucking cut-off arms coming back for revenge and shit. Or any body part you get rid of. Yeah, well. There's, like, fucking gallbladders floating around. <laughs> <laughs> Spitting gallstones at people. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> November twenty sixth. You didn't have anything to say about the eighteenth. You just or did you? We did. November twenty sixth. I can't ever say sixth. Giles bursts from his cabin and sits in a chair on the porch. He is seemingly shaken and short of breath as he lights a cigarette, while the wood creaks and the wind carries him off further into the impending doom. While cleaning the medical cabin, Olsen says he is putting all of this in his report. The sicknesses, the makeshift amputations, and this pisses Jensen off. You know, he's the, I guess, in charge of all the shit, so he's like, what the fuck, man? You know, he's like, you're ill-equipped, you're ill-equipped. Right. We're not expecting a fucking amputation. Eh, come on, man. Didn't they say some shit like, uh, see if we can get an MRI machine or some shit? Yeah. (laughs) Like, put that in the fucking budget. Right. Jack wagon. That night, Francis is alone in his room when the looming voice of impending doom speaks his name through the mountains, hills, rocks, and walls. It asks him, Do you see it? (laughs) As he gazes out of the window, peering into the darkened snowbank near the tree line. You don't see shit right here. Okay? Mm -hmm. There ain't nothing. But you're like, oh... What the fuck what is, is that? that? Mm-hmm. That that voice is is the voice of all Tatas. Uh, that's the Tata yeah. daddy voice. I'm yeah, at, like kudos because I've actually like because I dream and I have nightmares most fucking nights. That voice 
comes into my nightmares. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's amazing. It's happened once, but like not in what's happening there, but that voice is there. That dirt. I don't, I don't like it. That dirt is balls deep in your dreams. The, 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 dirt. the dirt is not the but cosmic the voice dirt daddy. <laughs> when the sun rises again, Giles is chopping wood, no doubt letting out some pent up rage as he screams with every axe fall. Making his way through camp, Jensen is lost in a void of sinking footsteps and distant screams until he enters the kitchen to find McNaughton sitting at the table with a bloody knife in one hand and his other hand completely severed. This part was fucking cool, dude. I love dude. this part. God damn, McNaughton's sitting there and he's just like... <sighs> when he starts repeating everything that he says back to him. He's just repeating him. This some evil dude, dead shit. what the fuck? I know. I love, I love that little detail that they put. Like, fuck. I love that shit. Because imagine them going just a little bit more crazy with this. And that whatever, whatever's going on, whether people are having cabin fever, whether people are actually getting sick... Right. Or whether that voice at this point we don't know has anything to do with what's going on or it's all connected, bro. That temple could be again, I'm just tying it into the evil dead universe. It's a Kandorian temple, that's bro. all that's all it is, baby. And that deer is a Kandorian demon and it is just fucking shit up. That's that's my head cannon. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> so um Jensen radios for help and several other men rush in. They they subdue McNaughton stop him from hurting himself or anybody else and after the sun sets again this, this you notice some days it'll it'll say like november 26 but the sun will set and rise and set again mm-hmm. it, it, it's it throws me off a little but it's because of how the the, the fucking days are up there it's uh okay the amount of time they get sunlight it's weird yeah yeah, so after after the sun sets, a restless Jensen is awake in his bed, and first you don't hear anything as an audience, but he's kind of like, huh, like he looks kind of curious, and he's, he goes out walking around the camp in, at, in the dark by himself, and he hikes up to the structure. Now you can hear it, him led by that ominous voice, dark and deep, telling him to open his eyes. November 28th. Anvers is checking Jensen out, who says he isn't sleeping, and likens his nightly hikes to that of a dream. He says he sees people in his dreams that are like us, but not, and they are always watching. To stave off the paranoia and stress and possible hallucination, Anvers prescribes him some sleeping pills. There's going to be a lot of these scripts just flying around here in this movie. Oh, yeah. I was like, here, sleep it off. It'll be okay. That's what he keeps doing to everybody. Yeah, my just boy. Just sleep it off. Just sleep it off. My boy, my boy is very loose with his prescription pad. Francis listens to Olsen in the lab as he breaks down the imagery on the artifacts with the animal creatures being godlike in their nature. The structure seems to be a shrine to these gods. What he <laughs> finds interesting is the youngest artifact, however, which depicts a portrayal of people with missing appendages. Dismemberment. Mm-hmm. and possible sickness or plague. The theory is that some virus or disease may have killed off the ancient people, and Olsen is worried that this very same disease or bacteria has now thawed and is the reason for Wells being ill. In the kitchen, Giles explodes on Jensen. <laughs> Here we go again with yeah. another fucking random Gen- Giles is going to get mad at everybody. <laughs> uh, saying he hears voices talking outside at night in the dark and that someone is stealing supplies. He questions McNaughton's self-mutilation. He questions the dog ribs fleeing the camp in the dead of night. It's all insane, but there has to be a reason. 
Um, I like how like the first thing he's like, well, he's like, well, who was out sneaking around? He's like, well, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> what the fuck, man? God damn, Charles. <laughs> he, he 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 puts all his focus to on really hating Jensen. Yeah, hating the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I kind of love it. I'm just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> He's mad at him, bro. He's just mad, bro. That night, Francis is spoken to again by the disembodied voice, telling him to look past the trees and the mountains. Beyond the window pane, across the camp, before the snowbank, like an apparition, standing on two legs, a horned creature of the forest appears, and Francis can now see it. Morning comes with snow falling and all of the men find McNaughton sitting in the kitchen again. Only this time, he isn't alive. His brain and sinew are splattered across the window behind him, aftermath of a shotgun blast to the head, self-inflicted. Taking up the rest of the day, Andrus performs an autopsy and brings the crew in to explain what he's found. Some of Wells' skin cells turned out to not be human, but closer to that of a cephalopod. That shit creeped me out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like that at all. With other cells that were beginning to transform. These were these were on tumors under Wells' skin. That's kind of fucked, Rick. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's greasy. That's greasy. <laughs> <laughs> he discovered the same invading cells in McNaughton who had been completely consumed by it. Anvers thinks the bacteria attacking his brain could have could maybe have possibly caused his sudden mental breakdown, and says Wells needs to get to a hospital right away. And th- this is where uh, that's a mad cow disease shit. Oh, bro, them prions, them cosmic prions are right here fucking shit up. This is this is where Giles explodes on Anvers. He's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, is yes. he's turning into a, a octopus." Or a squid, and he's like, more like he's turning into a bunch of tiny little squids. Right, right. He's like, what the hell do you mean? I can't dumb it down for you anymore. Yeah, he's like, it means he's really fucking sick. I can't dumb it down any more than that. <laughs> and he's like, I've got him pumped up full of antibiotics. He'll, hopefully it, it stops hopefully the infection. Works. Yeah, <laughs> because, dude, they don't know what they're well, dealing with. I like, I like the, the exchange here, because he's like, hopefully, hopefully it stops the infection from spreading or whatever, and... And he says, or, and then Giles says, we'll need a fucking aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> All the little baby squids. I wish. And I love that dot, that line so much. That's got to be what the thing aquarium. was, like, growing under his arm, right? Yeah. Like it's got to be. Squids wanting to come out. It's got to be little squids wanting to. Little Cthulhu's. Yeah, boy. Little Dagon babies. Little Dagon babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Due to all of this, he, uh, and Anvers thinks that the virus may also be contagious. So Olsen says the structure needs to be reburied, the camp needs to be sterilized, all the wildlife in the area needs to be tested, and the site is going to shut down. Yeah, Olsen goes full OSHA mode on him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jensen is pissed. Pissed. All his work, all of their work, lost to this exposure, but Anvers agrees with Olsen the safest course of action is to rebury everything. And not fuck with this unknown variable. Yeah. You you fucking you you digging it up. You digging it up, boy. You go you, you go look and you gonna find. That's yeah. that's what they say over there. Curiosity killed the cat. Oh boy, no, the dear daddy. The dear, the dear daddy, daddy killed the cat. <laughs> yeah. As the men disperse from the medical and or McNaughton. I I think yeah I mm, I, I Steve I. 
A lot of a lot of mysteries. See, yeah. a lot of mysteries that still. Oh, those mysteries. Oh, those mysteries. Mysteries. Those goddamn mysteries. <laughs> As the men disperse from the medical cabin, Francis is drawn to the kitchen by the forest creatures beckoning. Inside, he stands before the looming figure, an upright deer, that tells him the other men are convinced that Francis has the virus, that right. he is the focus of their fears. A feeling guides him to the knife block, which he pulls a blade out of, right as Jensen comes in the door behind him. And Jensen rambles about stress and what he plans to do while Francis stares at him blankly, and the voice this, of the deer tells him to kill Jensen. <laughs> this scene is so tense, man. Yeah, because you're like, what, what, what is gonna happen? What, 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 what? <laughs> and fucking Jensen, like, I love the scene. I love when he finally like looks down and he sees that. I'm not sure if he sees the knife or he sees that he's holding something behind his back. So he finally looks down and then like a realization. You can see the realization on his face that it's like, this dude's real close to me. I might be in danger, but then he turns his fucking back on him again, and I'm like, dude, fuck that. I guess he trusts him enough, the way, but... Oh, dude, but the shit that they've seen at that point, I'm like, I would have been out the door backwards. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting flips. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, luckily... I would have been, I'd have looked like Inframan getting out of that door. <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> Luckily for him, though, Francis stays composed, and he doesn't act on that murderous impulse. Right, right. So, yeah, Jensen does leave the kitchen, and so does uh, Francis. Francis. But he he takes that knife with him, though. And when when Jensen leaves, I, I really expected the dear daddy to fuss him. Yeah. But he doesn't. The dear daddy? Yeah. I thought he would eventually get, um... Angry, mm-hmm. but no, never. No. He just gives positive reinforcement like, when when you deserve it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a good thing you did, Fred. He's, he's about to he's about to do the good thing. Olsen finishes adding to his sight report and goes for some medication. Hmm? Yeah, boy. Realizing he's out, he heads to the medical cabin where he finds a distraught Francis, axe in hand. Olsen sounds the camp's alarm as Francis is stammering that Wells was in pain and that he was trying to end the pain. He tried stopping his heart. He tried cutting him, but that didn't work, and it wasn't his fault, and he made me do it. Giles and Olsen march Francis into his room at gunpoint and lock him in despite his pleading for them to listen. Now trapped in his own room, the voice reassures Francis that he did a good thing. (laughs) So we now have two dead bodies on our hands. One of self-destruction. Yeah. yeah. The other fucking, I guess, some sort of weird possession. And I'm sure the dog rib guys are, are gone. You know, oh, yeah, they're point. all dead in the woods. They're dead. December 1st, Anvers is giving Olsen the rundown of his well-being, saying he is basically tip-top shape when he is mm-hmm. called away momentarily for help. After he exits the cabin, McNaughton's corpse grunts and moans. And begins oh. speaking to Olsen. That, that shit was scary. Yeah, it was a I creepy didn't like part. that. It talks about an insect that lays its eggs in humans exclusively in order to propagate its species. While the professor yells for it to shut up. <laughs> it compares the humans or the insects to insignificant little creatures. Mm-hmm. Which sets Olsen off and with the butt of the rifle he crushes the face of the corpse. 
And does not stop. This, that's that's the other scene you were talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. It's it is. It's that. I oh, like, they're gonna cut away. Oh, they don't. And you right. watch the ca- the fake the fucking face cave in like on Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Like fuck, dude. That's so brutal. That's so fucking. Brutal. And the doctor walks in like, oh motherfucker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right away. Right the fuck away after Olsen does this. Um, Anvers walks back in, and he and Olsen's calmly trying to explain himself it's like he was whispering something about maggots and i had to make it shut up and um he he rationalizes that uh it's like anything flies at this point it's like okay yeah oh you must not be getting sleep here that's slang and slang well he he does he prescribes him some medication uh to take instead of you know having him quarantined there's also another play potentially you know anvers eventually could have been like hey man that report, I could file one too, you know. Oh, yeah, so true. You, you might want to calm your little ass down before I tell everybody about you fucking crushing dead skulls and shit. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Speaking of being extremely isolated because uh, of quarantine and all, mm-hmm. Jensen brings some soup to Francis, who is still sitting on the bed where they had left him. Francis says he cannot move because he won't let him move. He is always watching. He made him do it, and he is very angry. So he does say that the dear daddy's angry with him, but you don't see the dear daddy. Right. He tells him he's right behind Jensen, touching oh, him. Yeah. yeah. Bruh, what's that Orcon doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jensen, uh, Jensen can't listen anymore, and uh, once he leaves, Francis says the entity, which is some kind of deer, will do something. Uh, I don't know what... While packing, Giles silently sneaks into the cabin. Little sneaky boy, coming in all quiet like, and confront. He confronts Jensen, accusing him of trying to make off with the rest of their food and supplies, calling Jensen a sociopath who, mm-hmm. who he will shoot and kill without hesitation or remorse because people like him have it coming. They have Pe- it long coming. I wrote it. People like yeah. him have it long coming. Dude, I like how Damn. I like the fact that he says, "Oh, I'll, I'll fucking shoot you." And then I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> it's like, damn, dude. Giles, why are you tripping so hard? Dude, I like Giles the, been tripping from the beginning. I like the fact that, like, everyone else is just like, oh, I'm freaking out. Oh, let me cut my hand off. Oh, let me grow squid babies, you know, and this and that. Mm-hmm. And he freaks out. And he's just like, like, it's so irrational. It's everybody like, else. Right. Oh, oh you're, you're trying to. Leave us with nothing. And it's like, dude, like if he got everything y'all had somehow and went off into the woods, he would just die anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like so, so irrational. It, like, or it's the effects of the fucking deer. That's, that's what it is. You know, I, I, I just like, I like the way there's a difference in the way their, their minds uh, and their psyches break down. Cause, cause he, ha- right. he's under the impression that like, He's keeping it together at this point. Yeah, he's just like, so man, if I don't keep different, right? He's yeah. he, in his mind. He's like, if I don't keep all these motherfuckers in check, we're gonna die, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then until then, he just gives up and becomes about himself. Then the next, the next day right. or whatever. <laughs> the, the the cosmic dirt is is like the coronavirus. It affects everybody differently. Oh, oh they just got more cosmic. They isolated and quarantined up there in Canada and. The, Oh. oh shit! Parallels. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, yeah. He he, he tells them all. That. He dresses. Giles dresses Jensen down real good, 
And come nightfall, Jensen goes to relieve Giles from standing guard over Francis, but he's more than difficult at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, he can't be reasoned with. Giles refuses to eat. He can't remember the last time he slept, and he tells Jensen to worry about himself. He'll, he'll, if he's gonna die, he'll fucking die. Yeah, he says. God, you man. said you'll die. And he's like, then let me die. Let I feel like I would feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, because I mean, they're fucked. They're mm-hmm. beyond fucked at this point, you know. Right. You know, they they don't necessarily see it, but there's no way anyone's getting out of this. It's doomed. We're here at the fucking doomed climax of the film, December 4th, which is, I believe it's the same night. It's just deeper into that night now. Giles is walking through the camp with a rifle in hand, humming and murmuring to himself. He enters, so a, <laughs> he enters a cabin and opens a door, then raises the rifle and shoots Francis in the face, killing him. Giles moves on to the next cabin where he repeats this grisly ritual, shooting Anvers and Ramus, killing them both. While laughing to himself mid-hunt, Giles is shot out of the dark by Jensen, who stalks the spree murderer and takes a bullet to the gut himself. Both men are badly wounded and reload to finish one another off, but Jensen gets off two more shots, killing Giles. And we're, we're not even done with, with the, the long track. This whole thing has been one long It's amazing. Take. It is my favorite scene in the movie. Do you remember when Giles is walking from cabin to cabin? It, it, yeah. It's so good, Definitely. man. One take in and out of multiple cabins, following different characters, man. Like it trades off, dude. Like yeah. From from Giles to which, Jensen. Which one did he shoot? And he, he shot him once. It's like no, no. And then he had to it shoot him, him again. And it goes through the hand through and the into hand. the face. Yeah. Uh, so good. Ramus, it goes through his hand. Yeah. yeah. Anvers, he shot him, and then he shoots him again in the head. Right. I'm thinking the one with the hand, though. I was like, oh. I know, that was damn. fucked up, right? That's awesome. We love it. We, we, we talked to, to yeah, Nick well, about it in the interview. I made, I made a point because I was like, you know, this is my favorite scene in the movie. I just want to know everything that he's willing to tell me about it. <laughs> no, well, now the death count, I mean, it's everyone's dead except for Olsen and Jensen. Right. And Olsen, Olsen uh, takes Jensen to the, again, the med, the med bay or whatever the fuck. And. They figure out, like, Jensen's odds of surviving are just going to dwindle and dwindle unless Olsen hauls ass to the reserve. Yeah. He, he says he can make it there in, like, a day and a half if he just keeps going and doesn't stop. Yeah. So, determined, Olsen runs off to grab a few essentials uh, before hiking off down the trail. And at this point, Jensen is met by the deer god, who demands that Olsen be stopped. Yes. And although badly hurt, Jensen goes outside, and he takes a box containing some dynamite from a storage closet and brings it to the top of the Earth Temple. Th- this is where it's like, oh shit, son, gonna get real. Uh, but not before setting fire to the cabin containing the artifacts. Jensen's trying to do away with whatever the fuck this shit is. When deeper still in the dark woods, the professor encounters the dear god. What do you want from me? When an animal looks up at the night sky, what does it see? Thousands and thousands of tiny points. Then a man looks up at the same points and sees millions of stars, galaxies, within which are billions of planets. Do you want to know what I see? Were you there 
nothing to you. I'm leaving your home. You don't really think I'm bound to that structure, do you? Artificial carvings on a stone. Certainly you don't believe that I can be omnipotent, omniscient, but not omnipresent. You're not God. God isn't cruel. He doesn't kill men like this. No. No! Do you believe that? If you are God, tell me why. Tell me! I have to go. You're all a bunch of fucking animals, audience. Just listening to our podcast. <laughs> looking up at tiny points in the sky, not knowing anything. What does he say? Fucking animals. I am omnipotent and omniscient. Yeah, he says, surely, or... surely you cannot believe that I'm omnipotent and omniscient, yeah. yet not omnipresent. Yeah. Because he's like, you don't believe I'm bound to this structure, some artificial carvings on stones. <laughs> God, I love it. He says that shit, but then he, but, but then if you, like you watching. He's manipulative. Yeah, because the next scene, well, right then and there, when Jensen's actually about to fucking blow shit up. He's like, I have to go. I gotta go. Right, oh. right. Then, I, then he, then right, he, it's a, I have to go. Yeah. Like he had to, like he had to tell him. Right. <laughs> then he shows up and, he, and he's like, I don't have to convince you of anything. Like right, trying to right. be like, come on, guy. Right, right. <laughs> don't, come on, guy. Don't. And this dude, Jensen fucking goes off. He's like, I don't give a fuck what you are or why you're here. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, shut Fuck you. Yeah, he's like, fuck, fuck you, me. asshole. Yeah. You, you big old deer. <laughs> <laughs> the God says it isn't there to teach or convince the men of anything. So Jensen tells it to go fuck itself, asshole. Ignites yeah. the dynamite, killing himself and destroying the top of the structure. Holy fuck. December 5th. Olsen is lost come the daylight. And as he's running through the woods, no doubt he's gone off trail because he's been screaming for the dear God to show itself ever since their all-too-brief conversation. He starts sprinting after he comes across a dead clearing blanketed by snow at the end of the wooded mountainside. Right then and there, cosmic indifference prevails, as Olsen is brought down by one of the bear traps laid by the dog rib in the 1930s. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Taylor, Taylor called it. We yeah. watched it last night, That's and she cool. was just like, Lazzie's running, she's just like, this is this is an interesting scene. She's like, what if he just runs into a bear truck, pop, <laughs> and like, as she said it, just a snap. I was like, oh. Let's see, if, 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 the, if the cosmic deer was still around, yeah. then he would have been like, you know, run that way. <laughs> like, right. like he'd, have been, he'd have been like, you know, or follow. Your friends are all over here. Yeah, yeah. Even like, you we, know. We have McDonald's. <laughs> Wait, he's my daughter now? Yeah, but fucking... he, wants, he wants some chicken nuggies and but some ice that... cream and fries. My uh, dear daddy tells him to. <laughs> he's like, you must stop. He stops him even after he blows him up. Oh, like an after effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, at first I was lost. I was as lost at all, as Austin was, man. God damn, dude. To to come to your end in the middle of nowhere after you think you... To, Free, to freeze in the snow after you survived all that shit. Yeah, because even if you get that trap off your leg, your leg's at the very least broken. If not, you know... Yeah. If not 
rent asunder by the time you get that motherfucker off. Then Giles says <laughs> earlier in the movie too, uh, when he's talking to Olsen, he's like, if anyone's out here, you know, after dark and shit like that, exposed, he's like, your blood will freeze. I'd hate to be the poor son of a bitch who has to deal with that. Yeah. Olsen is now that poor son of a bitch. There's a, a little bit of criticism about the way he ends the film, though. How do you feel about it? What, the nothing's for certain? Right, right. And I love just, it. Yeah, you love it? Yeah, I love that every, nothing, you don't get told anything There's, about the temple, the dear God, if it was all in their heads, if it was actually a virus, blah, blah, blah. I love all that, personally. Uh, I guess I see why some people just need too much closure because they're needy little animals, but... Um, <laughs> The only the only improvement I could make is at the very end after the bear trap um, credits credit card title card whatever mm-hmm. credits appear and thank you for being a friend from the Golden Girls theme song <laughs> comes on and uh, you know you're a pal and a confidant oh, I hate it so much yep. That's me. I'm your boy, Kaboy, your cosmically indifferent pal and confidant. <laughs> Find him on. Uh... Find me on Slasher. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of wish the deer would have took the last one under his wing, and you'd see him float off into space together. Whoa! He took Olsen with him. Yeah. Don't mind that bear trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save you. <laughs> Come on, Olsen, Olsen just like floats Come away and side. seizes him himself there, still like oh, the trap. And <laughs> His astral like, body's getting yeah. taken. And, and, like, and then, but like he's he's like, what's going on? But he's okay with it. He's like, all right. I'm and and it's the dear daddy that's singing, "Thank you for being a friend." He doesn't sing it though. He just says all the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, he can't yeah. sing. He can't. No, he just he just recites them. If you threw a party <laughs> and invited everyone, me, you would see the biggest gift would be from me. He's singing now. Though. Yeah, he just started singing. Fuck it. They're flying through space. Like, Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Olsen starts singing it too. It turns into and a he's musical. Like, he's like no, a confused, no, that's, like, that's oh, but he yeah. strips him naked and he's like curled up like a baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's 2001, bro. Yes. He becomes the star baby. <laughs> he becomes the star baby somewhere in time and space. You've never they're even linked, seen them. But movie. as Modest Mouse would say, they're lamped. Yeah. So. Oh, you, I like how you're on fire now. <laughs> Where was this the whole episode? This is good. No, this is good. You can just pepper this shit in all over the place. I will. You can yeah. sprinkle it like some 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 nice cracked pepper. I was gonna say something. Nice cracked pepper in the hot tub. Oh. <laughs> Spice meat from the hot. Can you talk? <laughs> She's dying. Look. <laughs> Sharpen it up with some assorted cheeses. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, this is the assorted cheese edition. Yeah. Limited edition. We need to figure out what we're naming this bitch. Assorted cheese. Uh, no. <laughs> assorted cheese with, with, with 
Nick Wazowski. Wazowski. I, I know. I'm picking. <laughs> Wazowski. I'm, I'm so picking. I was thinking of Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. I'm leaving this in. He's going to hear it. No. Yep. it. No, that was a bad joke. Don't do that. He's, <laughs> he's going to frown upon your bad jokes. Oh. He's, he's never going to talk to he, me if you put that in there. He's going to be real Canadian about it, though, and forgive you immediately. Right. And be but nice to you. And still be nice. I didn't mean it. Hey. Hey. <laughs> what's what's all the jokes about? What's all these jokes about? You crazy Cajuns, and I'll be like, because your people fucking kicked us out of there, you crazy Canucks. Right, right. you crazy Canucks, your people like exiled us. That's why we're in this shitty ass swamp. It's all your fucking time. fault that we're dealing with mosquitoes. Right. Like, you don't, I, like, <laughs> turn sound on like him. idiots. <laughs> I, I sound like an idiot. So I'd be like, what are you married to? Some Something that, like, a, like just crawled out the fucking the out barn. Out of the crawfish holes. Crawled out the barn. <laughs> I crawled out the crawfish mud pie. Oh. Used to shoot deer with my daddy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we're cosmic rednecks. What do y'all want from us? Right. <laughs> or uh, cosmic Cajun. Cosmic Cajun rednecks. Oh, I guess, yeah. shoot. Yeah, boy. Thank oh. you for being a friend. <laughs> We've talked about that song on multiple occasions and how we just hate the word confidant. Yeah. Especially in... In, in that the context song, of a bad. song, it's just I think awful. in any song, it's a bad word to it's use. It's just awful. It's not a good word. Why would you put that word anywhere? It's not a poetic word. It's a very bureaucratic sounding, or like a like a like it, a corporate it's, word. It's a strong word. It's not strong. I think it's a weak word. I think it's a a terrible word. A word that should be it, but banned. Like, it's like a, a sentence stopper word. Like, it's bold. And I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. It's too much. Well, because if you say, well, this my my confidant and I decided, it's like, you already said confidant. <laughs> you, you don't exactly. have to keep going. Hold your horses. You just said confidant. That's, that's too much, I feel much, like sir. legal shit How, is happening now. How's that lyric go, though? How, what, what do they use the context for confidant in? You're a pal and a confidant. Like that, like they're saying, I can always come what to you for said, my problem. You're a pal and a trustworthy bitch, my yeah. bitch. I'd like that better. I would bitch. like it better. Yeah, yeah. My like ride, the, that's the you're updated a pal version. And my ride or die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she'd be like, "You're my pal, and you could have had a bad bitch." <laughs> <laughs> 2020 oh. Golden Girls Yeah Oh shit It's the Could Dirty Girls Now boy yeah. <laughs> To me the biggest The biggest theme Of this whole movie though Is that of And it's It's cosmic as fuck It's It's us Trying to fucking look At shit that we shouldn't Probably be looking for Right And and thinking that Oh we, we Yeah we're We can look at this We can do this We can figure this shit out Right and then there's elements at play that we just have no earthly idea what the fuck Our is really humorous ends up teaching us just how insignificant we are. That's what being on the Black Mountain side is all about. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not there. I'm oh, just absolutely. I would love to visit, though. I mean, you're I'm always... Just not long. You're always there. You just, you're just not paying attention. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is, the, this is uh, the Black Bro Bitch. Oh yeah, bro, bro bitch. <laughs> yeah, because we're in the bro bitch. <laughs> we're in bro bridge, Louisiana. It's the bro bitch. I got. I got to let people know what the fuck we're saying. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the creditors. Do you live in Brokes Bridge? Yes. <laughs> that's Louisiana. like when. That's how I know when it's someone I don't want to talk to because they say bridge. I get a call from a random number and like especially back when like I had a landline. Yeah. And it was like the telemarketers. They'd be like, 
We'd like to speak to uh, Kenneth Pre-Jean. And it's mm. like, oh yeah, he died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <God damn>. yeah. <laughs> so I could tell. I could tell by the way you said our name. You, you don't know us. <laughs> I didn't bother saying half the names of the cast members either. Oops. Right. I just said their character names. Oh, well. That's good. That's good. Hell yeah. <laughs> this movie took me by surprise big time, though. Big time. It's definitely on my top ten cosmic list now. It bumps someone off. Yeah. Oh, Prob- yeah. It, it, it's probably up there. Yeah. If I had to remake the list today, it would definitely be... In Towards the, the top of my fucking Yeah, list. like in the top five or three. Like, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. This is one of my favorite cosmic horror films. I can't believe that, that we even got the guy that made it to be on the show, so... Stay tuned, that's coming up. But before we get there, we're going to go ahead and give our ratings for Black Mountainside. To be fun and funny and stupid and silly, we've decided to uh, figure out how our rating system works. Now, however you decide to rate a movie on a scale of 1 to 10 is up to you. Um, You can do quarter points, half points. You could do, like I've been saying, pitchfork style. That's just what I call it, where you actually, like, fucking 9.8, 9.9. You do a point-by-point basis. But Can can you do... uh... Fractions. You can do whatever you want. Can I go with the metric system we, and do it in millimeters? Yeah, we you you have. No, no, I, I gave a seven eighths before. No. Can my rating system be awesome, cool, okay, meh, terrible? No, see, that's actually what I'm about to go through. This is how <laughs> we're gonna do things. This it, is good, yeah. yeah this, um, the does there's a system, yeah. <laughs> the the does it certainly kick ass system or the dick system. <laughs> so, on a scale of one to ten, a one is uh, castrated. Yeah, if you have to sit through a one, then by the end, uh, by the end of the movie, you have gone through what William Wallace goes through at the end of Braveheart, <laughs> and all you can do is cry freedom. Because you're finally free of this movie. As they rip your guts out and shit. Right. That's how I felt about that movie. What what was his name? Um, that plays in Batman. Two Face. This Two Face guy. Oh, Incarnate. Yeah. With Aaron Eckhart. Oh, oh, it's so bad. I fell asleep. So it committed the cardinal sin. It would have been oh, a castrated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it definitely was. A number two is imp- uh, impotent. Yeah. Yeah. Can't get it up. Can't Sorry, get it. I just. I just. Not tonight, baby. I don't know what it is. This happens oh. to lots of guys, right? Mm-hmm. You know? It's me with the lighthouse right now. <laughs> oh, goddamn. Number three is limp. It's just limp. It's, it's kind of like a noodle. It's not seasoned very well. No. A limp, seasonless noodle. A number four is a chub. Yeah. You give it a four out of ten? No. Yeah. No, maybe. A little, a, little in- a little something there. A little intrigue, a little mystery there. Well, what's the difference between limp and impotent? Uh, we should define that. No, we can don't think limp. about it that hard. <laughs> so, 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 limp, so limp might have extra blood flow to it, Yeah, but it's just not quite a chub yet. Yeah, it's not getting there. It's yeah. not there yet. But, but as impotent, that thing is just straight up happening. flaccid. Flaccid yeah. as fuck. Flaccid. Forever. Yeah, like like it ain't, it ain't going nowhere. For life. Flaccid for life, boy. A five is average as it is. So. Right. Standard, standard dicking. Yeah. Six is rock solid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Six is rock solid, bro. Pretty good. Uh, seven, we've discussed. This is where this whole thing came from. This is where like, you got some love. A little love. A little love. 
An eight is a lot of love. A lot of love. A nine is a whole lot of love. A whole lot of love. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. This movie gets a ten out of ten. Every inch of my love. Every inch of my love. We ripped off Led Zeppelin the same way they ripped off black people. It's real cute. Yes. So. Yes. So you'll have a dick dick system for real. Yeah. It's the dick system. I'm a genius, Angel. (laughs) I didn't figure this out. So I'm somewhere. I'm 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 at a nine five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean it could fucking go up. It's definitely not gonna go down. Um, yeah. So I'm somewhere between whole lot of love and every inch of my love with this one. And it'll probably do nothing but go up. He's teasing that ten. Yeah, teasing that ten. What you got? What was the eight? I think I'm about like like an eight. A lot of love. A lot, a of, lot love. of love. Oh yeah. yeah. A lot of love. Yeah. An eight, a nine point five, or to nine to nine point five, nine point two five. Oh no 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 no. No quarter points. No quarter. No no. I, I, Just I, somewhere I, vaguely in the middle. <laughs> I rest right right. I rest comf- comfortably at a point five at the moment. Okay, nine point five and a ten. So. You can average that out to, I'd say, a nine. Yeah. Yep. All right. Motherfucking yeah. Black Mountainside, bitches. You know what? Right, You know what? You know what? Fuck it. Every inch of my love. No, you can't. No, yeah. you, no, you, you can't know, take it back. No takes his back. I'm taking it. sounds like he's giving it more. I'm giving it, yeah. Yeah. He's I'm giving, giving it because, you, you know what? Can't take back your quotes. I can't, I can't think of You're any reading. fucking reason not to give it a ten. How many likewises they say... Oh. You said five. Yep, you can you can scale that back to a nine point five. Okay, you know what? It's a nine point five again. <laughs> I thought we liked that he did that though. Oh, I we love do. it. Well then, you know what? It's a ten point five. Oh now. yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That'll take the average. I like up. it. Hey everybody, ratings don't matter, and and now you know. No, ratings don't matter. Nothing matters. I give it eight. They're likewise. insignificant, just like you eight are. Likewises. <laughs> eight likewises. Eight likewises. Okay, yes. good. Well, and then yes. we we both give it. Where you? Where, where are you, man? Uh, He's at a ten point five. Yeah, ten point five. <laughs> All right, ten. So <laughs> I went from a fucking nine five to a ten five, yo. Fuck it. You know what? This director and this movie deserves it. Ten five, motherfucker. Fucking a. All right, everybody. <laughs> that that was our midnight ritual of Black Mountainside, and uh, now stay tuned for some echoes through the ether as we time travel. Get ready. What? It's rewind time. Folks, so we managed to get okay. I'm, I'm I don't want to fuck this up. Nick Shastakuski. Yeah, Shastakuski. Yeah. You, you did go. you go? Yeah. Did you go find that same podcast interview? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Thought so, man. Um, I was I was walking to my truck and I was like Shastakuski, Shastakuski. <laughs> I was just I was like, want to get we it right. <laughs> we didn't want to be uh, rude to. We have a guest here joining us, commuting with us on the nightclub. And uh, we've got the fucking director of the 
<laughs> what is probably the best cosmic horror film of the last decade, in my opinion, uh, Black Mountainside. We have Nick Shostakovsky. How you doing? How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great. I'm, I, I cannot complain. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be talking to you guys. We are ecstatic that you agreed to be on the show. I was sitting. Uh, I brought my car to get, get repaired. I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking about the Black Mountainside episode, and I'm like, I wonder. I would just wonder what would happen if I shot this guy a message. I found Nick on, on the Internet, and he has been more than receptive. I just can't say, like, like be, be thankful enough, man. I know I've been gushing ever since, but we just, we just had a few questions for you as far as Black Mountainside goes, if you're willing to answer. Uh, I know the movie has some ambiguity in it, so if some of these questions you don't even have an answer to, that's fine. But um, the overall, the, I guess the, the broadest question, the biggest question I had was where did you get the inspiration for Black Mountainside? What, because there, there, there's the, the, everyone's talking about, you know, references to The Thing and, and I see them, but the movie is a completely different film than The Thing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, uh, the, like everyone does say The Thing. I, I hear The Thing so much that it almost at this point is kind of like, it kind of gets under my skin a little bit just because it's like, I yeah, like, I, I mean, it, there, there's obvious, like, um, there's obvious references to The Thing. Um, I love The Thing. Uh, but like, honestly, if we're going to be comparing like Black Mountainside to other movies, in my opinion, uh, The Shining was way more of an influence, um, just like in terms of the cinematography, in terms of the pacing. I mean, that's the kind of movie that we were trying to make was like uh, me and Cameron Tremblay, one, the other producer, um, we're both like, we're both big fans of The Shining. We, 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 we wanted to make a movie that we wanted to watch. I mean, that's what every filmmaker should do. And, and a lot of them do is they, they try to make movies that they would want to see that don't exist. Right. So we were like, there's not enough of this kind of movie, The Shining. It's a very unique kind of movie. So we wanted to make something a little bit more like that. Um, yeah, we, we drew influ- influence from The Thing. Um, we drew influence from um, like other sci-fi movies like Andromeda Strain, even like little bits of influence from Alien. Yeah, but the, the, the idea for Black Mountainside came, um, it was actually uh, when I was probably 18 or 19 years old, I just had like a really messed up dream um, where I was just in the woods. It was the nighttime and there was a deer and I saw him stand up and he started talking to me. And that, that, that was it. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like the craziest no, dream in the world, no, that, but it, it definitely resonated. No, that's amazing because I think it's safe to say, Ricky, like that, the dear God is amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's so cosmic and awesome. <laughs> like, no, you have no idea how much we love, we love it. Do you have a name for it? Do you have a name for the dear God? We call, we call it the dear God. That's usually what we refer to it as. Um, I, I've, I've seen like some other people online call it some weird stuff. I can't remember what I've seen them people refer to it as, but yeah, the, the dear God or the dear man. Uh, some, some people call it the dear man, but yeah, not, not, we don't have like a crazy, like fun name, like how the jaws shark or whatever. Right. That's cool. If that, if the dear God's name was Bruce, I'd kind of be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah on set the the uh the, like the 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 crew was calling it a name like that i can't remember what they were calling it though they what they would do is they would take it was a giant puppet and it weighed about like 100 pounds and they would oh. they were dragging it um every day they would drag it into someone else's room because we were all sleeping um in on the, <laughs> where, where we shot the film was where we were also living and so those rooms where you see like um spoiler alert like people get killed in the rooms those are actually like after that, we cleaned the fake blood out of the room, and then like the the makeup guy went to sleep in there. 
right? So, so that, 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 that <laughs> so we had people would move the deer into their rooms at night. So that when we were finished shooting, they'd go into their rooms and then you'd hear someone like scream because the deer is just sitting <laughs> in their bedroom. That's amazing, man. That's the best way to prank somebody, especially when you're making that movie and you're, you guys are out there, right? Like out in the wilderness. Yeah. 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 I we mean, were in the, we were in the mountains. Um, not not as far north as the movie takes place in, but yeah, we were um, probably like 50 miles north of the U.S. border in British Columbia. That's awesome that y'all went on location and filmed all of that stuff. And the, and when you say when you say uh, the, you drew inspiration from the cinematography and the pace of The Shining, I totally get that. I see it as a slow burn. I always tell anyone I'm talking to about this movie, like trying to get them to watch it. I'm like, it's a slow burn movie, and it slowly builds the tension, the madness. The payoff, oh God! For Ricky, you you had a speaking of those the bedrooms and the blood. He just said blood. You had a question involving you know. So for that that long single take shot where Giles um, goes on his spree, I saw well. There's this uh, one particular effect where the bullet goes through someone's hand and into their head, and I was just curious about whether or not that's a CGI practical. Yeah. And also, I kind of just, I kind of just would like to hear you just talk about shooting a long single take like that because those always impress me. I love them; they intrigue me, and I'd like to hear about them. Yeah, that was one of the hardest shots that we had uh, on the shoot. Maybe the single hardest that, in our schedule. I think our, I'm, I'm trying to remember correctly. I think our we shot the film in 11 days, and we had, we had one of those days was entirely devoted to that single shot. Um, we ended, we ended up getting a couple other shots in that day, but, um, um, yeah, cause we knew it was going to be really hard. Um, and the script that, um, it, it, it's, I think it's three and a half minute one in, in the film, but in the script, we, we were actually expecting it to be a little bit longer. Um, I think we were expecting it to be more like five or six minutes. Um, but the, the way that it just played out, it was, it was a lot faster than that, but it's still, still quite long, three and a half minutes in and out of like one building, another building, and then back to that building again. So three buildings, um, interior, exterior lighting. I mean, it, it was a, it was a pretty huge setup. The, 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 the effect you're referring to where he shoots through the hand, that, that one's actually a visual effect because, so we had practical effects, but on, on the day, the actor who gets shot in the face there, he, he wasn't supposed to lift up his hand in front of his face like that, but he did. So we wow. were, so we got, we got all the takes done and then now we're looking at it and we're like, well, we, we can redo it again because we did 11 takes of that shot before before we actually landed on one and our like the steady cam operator was like so tired i mean the steady cam rig with the camera the the the, like the steel like gimbal support system like that whole thing is like it's like over 70 pounds so this camera operator is going walking around with this massive rig on his body weighing him down he's going up and down hills like covered in ice we had to buy him special shoes with uh (laughs) like they were like cleats so that he could like grip on the ice and walk up with this huge steady cam rig um, so he was like exhausted and we're like, okay, well, are we going to redo the shot just because of like, there was a couple little tiny like glitches like, like that with the hand being up and it's like, well, does that ruin the shot? So, so what we did is we, we put like a, in, in pulse, we put like a bl- uh, bullet hole in his hand, which honestly was something from this, like the onset of the production, I didn't want to do visual effects, but I mean, a few of them crept their way into the film it's kind of bound to happen but but like for the most part we avoided them i mean our dear god he there's no visual effects there that like arm chop scene where he chops off his arm like that's a that's a fake arm and uh a real axe 
So that's like a real axe going through a fake arm and there's a blood rig in there. Um, the, the act, not to get too off course, but the axe, when we did that scene and he chops down on his arm, we actually had the makeup artist or the special effects makeup artist with the blood rig. He's underneath the bed that the guy's lying on. And the axe actually almost went right between these two little tables we had. And the axe went down and almost hit the guy under the table. So, oh, God. <laughs> so, wow. so yeah, I mean, we, we were, we were pretty devoted to, to the, to the practical effects. We, we wanted to avoid the CGI, the, the visual effects. Um, but yeah, a few of them crept their way in there, like the hand uh, shot. And then the one where um, uh, Michael Dixon, uh, the professor Olsen is smashing the head with the butt of the gun um, that we had to do with visual effects. We, we had a fake head, but it just, it didn't look quite right. So, so we had to overlay on top of our fake head. We had to overlay the actor's face. Um, so it was kind of like, it wasn't like CGI, but it was taking two shots and combining them kind of like old school visual effects. Style. Composite shot. Yeah, exactly. It, it was You're like blowing a- my mind. Cause yeah. I thought I, I for real thought that that was straight up practical. Oh, straight really? Up. See, yeah, see looks- to, to me, that's the one that doesn't quite work to me oh. in my opinion, but, uh, Oh, well you, your, your movie magic. <laughs> yeah. Your movie magic swept us up, dude. We're it's, yeah. it's. I thought everything was well, 100%. That that rampage, the that scene where 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 uh, Giles is walking around killing everybody is uh it, it's so full of dread like as he's walking from cabin to cabin and the and he goes into every bedroom and it's always yeah. that sort of sort of over the shoulder type of shot that you see from behind Giles almost like the deer god is following him around as he's going on this this sort of rampage. I create headcanon for myself. Uh, me and Ricky both do this. So I was, man, this is, this is, this is going to be the hard question where I, I, I'm pretty sure you're probably not going to either have an answer for it or might refuse an answer. What is going on in that movie? As far as is everyone going crazy? Is there a disease that turns people into tiny little baby Cthulhu's? <laughs> um, <laughs> Is the deer god actually attached to the structure because they unearth it and then he comes out? Is he a god? Is he god? You don't have to answer any of those if you don't have the answer. But man, I just I'm like I'm I'm itching. If you have the answer, if you don't want to share it, don't share it. But fuck, man, it's the the mystery is awesome too, though. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So you like I mean, and you guys have seen Archons yet? Yes. Or not not yet. Yeah. So I mean, with yeah. with with my like the films I make, I usually try to like leave a little bit of ambiguity for people to decide on their own. I mean, I have like my own theory as to what happened. And I, I I don't know, some people would say that like, you know, the author's theory is, is the correct theory, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, um, after Black Mountainside came out, um, there was actually a few people who came up with theories that I was like, like, Oh, that's a, that's a theory I'd never considered before. And it almost even makes more sense than what I thought. You know what I mean? So, so, so not that I'm not going to, you know, tell you what I think, but like, I guess what I'm saying is, is the way I interpreted it, um, interpret it is, is a bit, um, isn't necessarily the correct way to interpret it. Like I'm not opposed to someone thinking something else, but yeah, that being said, I mean, it's kind of like when, when we, when I wrote the, the original script I, in my head, I, I was thinking that like that that the deer god is like a real god they unearthed like an actual kind of like entity that that was like it, it like it wasn't i'm not a big fan of the I, I at that time i wasn't a big fan of the idea that like it was just people going crazy and killing each other because they're crazy but then when when we we're, were filming the uh when we we're actually filming 
the 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 final scenes there where he where jensen blows up the structure jensen ends up yelling out um what does he say he's like you're not real you're just a parasite and then he blows Mm -hmm. up the structure and and then to me after he shot that because that was kind of like off the script a little bit um he like paraphrased what was in the script a little bit during that shot and i remember thinking like that's actually like a really interesting kind of i don't know to me it was like this this idea that like like He's, he's not just saying that this is a parasite, like this particular manifestation of what they're seeing is a parasite, but it's almost like he's suggesting that like God is a parasite, like the idea of religion is a parasite. And for me at the time, I was like, okay, that's really interesting. But now, like years later, going back to the film, I, I find myself kind of going back more towards the, like the original intention of the script. And, and, and see, and this is what I mean is that like, I'm not trying to like say that there's no correct answer or that there's like a wrong answer or that there's a right answer, but I, I guess I try to leave a little bit amb- amb- ambiguous. I, for one, am happy to hear that it's a real angry, not even angry. It's not angry. It's in, it doesn't care. Or it seems to just be fucking with everybody. That's the thing too, that, that I was, me and Ricky were t- we've talked about this movie so much. We were like, what, what is its goal? Like, is it because they unearthed it and it's like, now it's out, it's loose. And it's like, well, I'm just going to, play around with these these playthings these these people uh <laughs> I, I can give you a little bit of insight that i don't know if i've ever told anyone like in a podcast before but um yeah, yeah. um when i originally wrote the script i was thinking like thematically i was trying to uh kind of connect it to like the book of job where you have uh, i don't know how familiar you are with like the bible book of job kind of stuff but you have uh-huh. um basically this guy who hasn't really done anything wrong um and he kind of the like god kind of is fucking with them basically for the whole book and then finally at the end he says like or or he's, he i guess yeah, i shouldn't say god is fucking with them but like like satan is fucking with them because god gives satan permission to fuck with them and then at the end he's, he he decides to question god he says like why are you doing this to me and god basically says like you don't have the authority to question me and that's that's the book of job and it's a very confusing like book of the bible so we were kind of trying to go for something like that where where the dear god is like they're, they're the dear god is god and then you have like Satan be, being like the disease in the arm where you see it like bubbling up and he's manifesting himself like when Jensen has his dream and sees all these like things in the woods. Like those are all the manifestations of Satan. And then you have the dear God who is God and he's like a vengeful God kind of as, as this book of Job sort of thing. So we tried to do some parallels in the script there, but with, like, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that that's like exactly how, that's the correct interpretation, but that's like what we were going for originally. I love it. I'm, 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 not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying it just to fuck with, we were talking about this thing, it's the way you describe it too, the, he's fucking with people or, and, and it's that line, that line alone, when he's, what makes you think you deserve to know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, dude, it's, we, we're big into cosmic horror, um, yeah. Ricky and I love cosmic horror. We love the themes behind it. And when I saw Black Mountainside for the first time, I was like, holy shit. This is a movie that, I mean, at, at this point, I'm not really sure what other movie kind of, for, for me, for me personally, gets down to the nitty gritty of what I like about, about cosmic horror. And I, I, know, I know I keep repeating that, and I know it's probably not even something that you – because you haven't, you didn't mention Lovecraft as an influence or anything like that. So I doubt that that's even something that was uh, on your on your radar, huh? Or 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 are you a cosmic horror fan? And I'm just talking shit. 
So, I mean, I, I like the genre, but um, after the, the film came out, it was my brother, when my brother saw the movie, he was like, oh, it reminds me of, um, at the, at the, uh, the, screen, the our very first screening, my brother said, um, it reminds me of At the Mountains of Madness. Um, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And he was like, oh, it's like a book by Lovecraft. And he told me to read it. And I went, I read it and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I get where he's coming from there. I didn't see quite as much as other people have seen, like in terms of parallels. Um, like I, I, I saw like, you know, the overall theme. Okay. I get it. I get it. But like people that, that, that crowd, the Lovecraft crowd really embraced this movie. Um, I think they saw it a little bit more than I saw it. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Um, I am like not a huge fan of like a lot of people kind of make that assumption that, Oh, it's, some people have even assumed that it's like it's Lovecraft like fan fiction or uh or that it's like a literal adaptation of a love of like at the mountains of madness I um, never got that impression personally yeah I mean I, I I definitely didn't get the impression and we were all like like the production team were kind of scratching our heads like why people are thinking this and then our distributors like in some territories in some countries even put it on like the DVD like put it on the dvd like oh inspired by lovecraft blah 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 and it's like you know it's it, it almost turned into like more of like a marketing thing like outside of our control but but i mean no i like i like the genre i mean I, i've seen some cosmic horror movies that i really like um yeah i mean i've seen lots of movies i've liked that I, that are are that genre and i'm, I'm into it so i i find that personally and i don't want to like offend anyone but like lovecraft's writing is a little bit tedious for me like reading it's, wise he, he's he's a uh, difficult read um just yeah, mainly because his his prose is antiquated i mean the guy the guy writes he even when he was writing he wasn't writing in a style that was you know uh relevant to the time or anything um but yeah i just had to ask the cosmic question it's a theme on the podcast and uh it's it's you know it's just kind of become a fun thing for us but finding your film and archons too. I don't want to. I don't want to not mention it um, in this conversation. I don't want to leave it out of this conversation. Archons was also awesome. Uh, those creatures. This is also part of my headcanon, and I think I had sent you a message about this. That walk <laughs> through the woods, gibber, gibbering and stuff, all with their weird fucking god god voice. They sound just like the deer god. And then I looked at your Instagram or something, and I saw you made a comment saying that the guy that does the deer God voice also does the voices of the archons. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Nathaniel Gordon, he did the voice. Yeah. He, uh, he did the deer God. He, he was actually 17 years old when he did the deer God voice. We found him on Craigslist. We put out a, a Craigslist ad being like, we need a voice actor. We had like a hundred people submit tapes and we got this one tape that was just like crazy where this guy was just doing all these different voices. Um, and it, it sounded like a different guy in every single voice. So we called him and we met with him. And we're like, okay, you, you're not actually the guy in all these voices. And he's like, no, I totally am. We're, we're sitting in a Starbucks. And he, he's like, yeah, I can prove it. And he just starts doing all these different voices. He does like, you know, the, he does the dear God voice, this like crazy voice. And he does like the, the like classic announcer guy voice. He, he's just like this crazy voice actor. And he's just a 17 year old kid. He's got braces. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Okay. You're hired for sure. So, so yeah, we, we brought him on. He did a great job. We had him in for one day for the dear God voice. He recorded all the lines. Um, and then I reached out to him again for Archons and I said, Hey, like we have, you know, these monsters in this, in this movie we're making and, and we're trying to kind of create, create the monsters. Like we have this, um, we had the concept art 
Um, and I showed him the concept art and was like, what do you think these things would sound like? And he just starts going like, blah, 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 right. Whatever. I can't, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, he just starts doing it. And he's like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, perfect. Done. <laughs> like, we'll we'll bring you in. You can do the monster voices. And then now I'm actually going to bring him in for the next thing I'm working on too. I, I've already contacted him. He's free. Um, he actually, actually uh, a fun fact about Archons too, is he is one of the monsters. So he is, he's like six foot six. Um, oh, he's oh. like super tall. So we're like, and we needed tall people for these monsters. The other guy is like seven feet tall and he's like 110 pounds, seven, seven feet tall, 110 pounds, like super skinny. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, this guy, Nathan Gordon, he's, he's like over six, five. Um, and, and we're like, what do you think of just like playing one of the monsters? And he's like, yeah, that sounds like fun. So he came on and he, yeah, he, he killed it. I thought, I thought, um, he, he played the monster. He did the voices, everything. So, and then, yeah, I contacted him this thing I'm working on now. And I said, Hey, like we need this kind of another creature. I was like, do you want to A, play it? And do you want to do the voice for it again? So not to, you know, hopefully I'm not overusing that one a little bit too much, but I mean, he's just like a gold mine. I think every great director sort of has these, uh, you know, people they keep going back to. And yeah, man, I, I really love Black Mountainside and Archons. And you keep saying that you're working on something with a creature in it. Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, I can tell you a little bit. I mean, it's just, it's so early. Like we're still like, crowd are not crowdsourcing but we're fundraising it um so it's still early stages we have a few investors we're hoping to shoot in june but it's it's different like i mean i with archons i told everyone like oh if you like black mountain side you'll probably like archons um you know it's in a sim it's a similar kind of like tone archons to black mountain side it's very like they're both very kind of dreary i guess you could say very atmospheric slow paced um with like ramping up tension towards the end Whereas this one, I, I don't know if I can say the same thing. I think, I don't want to say that Black Mountainside fans are going to be disappointed, but I think anyone who like loves Black Mountainside, loves Archons, you know, just is really hoping for cosmic horror again. Um, I, I don't want to say they're going to be disappointed, but uh, that's not what they're going to get it's with this one. So this one is, uh, it's an action film, uh, action horror. It's, it's going to be fun as a fun movie. So we have like in our budget, I think like almost, 20% of our budget is for renting guns and blank ammunition. So we have like, I think it's like $2,000 worth of blanks that we're going to be shooting in this film. So, so, so pretty like, yeah, it's, it's an action film in the woods. We're going to be out in the woods. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a creature in there as well. So anything, anything that you're making, man, I'm on board. I want to see the next film. Did you make something before Black Mountainside? Uh, yeah, I made I made like it was like a crappy. Well, I made like a few short films before for like film festival short films. Um, nothing like notable. Um, and then yeah, I made like a, a little like zero dollar budget feature, uh, like with some buddies. I guess that was like the first thing I did. I made it free online just for like anyone interested in filmmaking, just to kind of show you like, hey, look how like shitty. <laughs> like the first thing can be and like where you can go from there. So yeah, it's free online. I think you can get, get to it on my website maybe, or maybe I took that link down when I updated. I, I didn't see it. All I, all I saw was black mountainside and um, archons on there. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll put up like a link to, to, for people to see it. And then I'll maybe like Twitter it or whatever. And then heck it, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a tough like hour and 10 minutes to sit through probably. I mean, it's like, like I said, I, I think I was 17 or 18 years old when I made it. Um, it was a few years before Black Mountainside, zero dollars. Um, everyone's working for free. Um, mostly just a lot of people goofing around. So, so yeah, please put that link up. Yeah, you made it when you were seventeen. Yeah, yeah. And how how old are you 
now? 29. Oh, a man younger than me, kicking ass, kicking ass, making horror movies. I'm happy oh. to hear, though, that your next film will be a horror movie. The horror is your be, genre then? You know, yeah, I think so. But I think there's going to be a lot of people who don't like it, the, it, won't like that it's called a horror movie. There's gonna, I think there's going to be that crowd of people who go like, that's not a horror movie. Um, uh, it's got the elements in there. I think it's definitely, I mean, there's been a few people who have read the script and go, they go like, mm, I wouldn't call it a horror movie. But it, it definitely when one, especially once we get like, the the music done for it once we get the the sound design like that really great like atmospheric sound design done I, people are gonna be like okay yeah it's it's a horror movie but the, you're gonna get those people who go like mm. yeah they got a lot of people that you know they, they they'll I've had people tell me that Silence of the Lambs isn't a horror movie and I'm like or oh you too no not a horror uh, no no that's a horror movie to me I mean I I my my uh my threshold for what's a horror movie is is pretty broad so um, yeah. It's the same for us when it comes to cosmic. We try to shoehorn cosmic into anything. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I did want to say this too. In my own head canon, Black Mountainside and Archons are related because the the creatures sound similar and they're in the woods. So I feel like you have your you have created, unbeknownst to you maybe, a pantheon of de- forest deities that are older than the earth, and um, they're they're also in my own mind somehow related to the Evil Dead because I fucking love the Evil Dead. I love the Evil and, Dead too yeah oh yeah that's a big one that's like one of the reasons i became a filmmaker was evil dead not that remake though i love the remake do you i I can't get behind the remake but but the original yeah for sure i'm right there the 1981 evil dead is my favorite horror film of all time uh it's the first episode of the of the show too i think we yeah that i talk about that one ricky wasn't on that one though oh did you have anything? Another question. I'm sorry, dude. I've been Bogarting Nick. <laughs> well, here I'll, I'll chime in on what you just said about the because uh, no one's really noticed. Well, actually, I think one person noticed it, but um, with Archons. It, so if you listen at the very end, if you if you go to watch that movie and you listen during the radio interview at the very end when he's in the car, if if you pay close attention, so we kind of you know there's some hidden Easter eggs in there, but there is uh, a Black Mountainside connection in there if if you listen hard enough. Or <laughs> do they talk about? Um, th- no one being or people being dead at the at the camp or at, at the, the the site that they were at in Black Mountainside. Yeah, so so in Black Mountainside, there's a scene. I, I don't I don't want to give too much away, but th- there's a scene where um I think it's McNaughton and Monroe, the Swedish guy, and uh, Olson, the professor, and they're sitting around and they're talking about a plane that went down in the area. There, he's like, oh, no one's come around here since that plane went down in the area. You listen to the radio interview. There's also a reference to that plane in the area, which kind oh, of that's what it is. Brings it all together a little bit, but um, I won't. I won't spoil. You know how it how it connects anything. But the clues are there for people who want to figure it out. That that's one thing we try to do when we make movies is we try to like leave little clues so that you know it rewards people if they go to rewatch the movie. They'll they'll notice other things that they never noticed before that make other things in the movie make more sense. Yeah, and then we try to do that across films too a little bit. So, so there's some some Black Mountainside hints in Archons. I love that. I, I think that's actually oh. incredible. I'm gonna be. I mean, we're gonna be rewatching these movies, so I'm gonna be looking for for these clues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ricky, you had anything else for Nick? Oh, he actually answered my next question already. <laughs> oh, what you were yeah, gonna ask talking, me? In talking about uh, his next film. Oh, okay. Well, good then. Yeah. I'll, I was going to ask him uh, if he planned on continuing in cosmic horror or branching off into other things. He answered that, and I'm good either way. I just want to watch anything he makes. <laughs> cool. 
Fuck yeah, man. Dude, I, like I said, I don't want to keep you. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us, for communing with the nightclub. This, this is our first interview, and I don't know, man. I'm beside myself. And I'm not, I'm not saying this just because we got you. This, it, I'm speaking for Ricky too. Again, this is yeah. one of our favorite horror films. I mean, Black Mountain Side is incredible. It's hard to say it's um, the best cosmic horror movie I've ever seen because there's a lot of those and there's still some I haven't. Yeah. But a, as of right now, for me, it's 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 right in there. It's right up there. What's like a, there what's any? what's like another one that comes to mind that I should check out? Uh, the Void from the 2016. Void. I, haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen the Void yet. Been meaning to see that one. It's very. It, People say it references – everyone just wants to say something cosmic horror references the thing. If it has anything to do with body horror and the unknown, it's a reference to the thing. Yeah. Um, right. So or people say snow. that. Or if there's snow, yeah. which, no, I, I, I don't think it has to be just because there's snow. Is, is, is the new Jason short film, Never Hike in the Snow, a cosmic horror film? <laughs> me, and Rick, me and Ricky might find a way to make it one. <laughs> We'll make it. We'll make it happen. Maybe yeah. Freddy, or the one where Freddie goes to space, that can be your cosmic horror one. Shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, if you if you got nothing else, do you want us to uh, plug you in a certain like in a certain area? Like, are you on Twitter that you want people to maybe go and check you out, or just directly to your Canuck uh, Creatures website or something like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, whatever. I, I, the, the Twitter's Twitter's like where I, I tend to be most active. Um, the, the website doesn't get as much love as it should. <laughs> so yeah, Canuck Creatures on Twitter, that's probably the place to go to, to find any updates. But uh, yeah, aside aside from that, I, I'm not, you know, go see go see Black Mountainside, go see Archons, and uh, hopefully you like them, right? Hell yeah, they're going to love them. Thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, um, we're back. We're back in the present, which is also the past because you're hearing this after we recorded it, so you're still time traveling no matter what the fuck you do. Even if you look up at the night sky, that shit's fucking old. It's, it's not there anymore. Anyway, thank you, uh, Nick Shostakowski, for being on the nightclub with Ricky and I. Unfortunately, um, Angel wasn't able to make that interview. I missed it, and yeah. it sucks. Sorry. But next time... She I'll... was with us in spirit. Definitely. In our hearts. Maybe we'll call him a back. Call him a back again in one day. Again. We'll call him again. Call him a back again in one day. <laughs> yeah, we will. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if, if, he's anytime got, this guy wants to talk to me, I'm down. I'm gonna call him a back. He's got a yeah. He's got a third feature that he's working on, so um, we'll try to get him back on whenever he's ready to do that. And we'll absolutely have to fucking talk about it. But uh, and we'll have to talk about archons with him too. Yeah, boy. Some more. <laughs> some more. Yeah, there's some stuff that didn't make the, the actual final. Right. We were done recording. and Anyway, he was very gracious with his time. Absolutely. Thanks again, Nick. Yeah. So we love the movie. Um, I had fun talking about Godzilla and Cthulhu, even though Godzilla would get uh, graveyard stomped. You know what? I was thinking again about it. And maybe if we introduce Gamera as well. Gamera? Gamera. Yeah. Gamera. I call him Gamera. You call him that. Yeah, yeah I start talking to... about Godzilla again. I'm going to fall asleep like I did last night. So we're going to introduce. Much to learn, my paddle. We're going to introduce Gamera and Inframan. 
Inframan will just make him go boom. Boom. And that'd be it, bro. <laughs> well, y'all stick around. We got a whole mess of pumpkins in our truck for your next episode. Oh, shit. A whole mess. I don't feel like I did Satanic Grandpa good enough. <laughs> I liked it. That was good. good. Yeah, that was great. I've, I've done that voice on here already, though. You have. That's yeah, true. That's true. Fuck. Damn it, man. Can't be repeating ourselves. Well, you know, you could do the Ed Harley voice, which yeah. is kind of the same voice anyway. Yeah. They would make a great couple. Oh, Haggis and uh, yeah. Grandpa? Can you yeah, be the would. old guy from Pet Cemetery? Oh, shoot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> sometimes dead and dreaming is better. <laughs> oh, oh, Cosmic Joe. <laughs> yeah, boy. Wait, what's his name? Judd? Cosmic Judd. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go up that road. Where it's cosmically indifferent up there. That's, that's, the, road. <laughs> that's the road for real, yeah. Well, yeah. Don't go up that road. That there's a big hole in the ground that's purple. Oh, <laughs> what is that? It's um the the color. The color has space. Oh shit! Space, oh, yeah. shit. don't go down that road. That's a bear trap. <laughs> Lay down by the dog rib in the third. So many dirt roads, and they all lead to cosmic. Indifference. Indifference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that being said, I'm Travis Maxwell I'm Orge Bedarge. I'm Rich Crenshaw, outlaw trucker and eagle spirit extraordinaire. Oh, I was Chicken Nugget Marsha. Yeah. Chicken Nugget Marsha. And a la Akbar Orge. <laughs> a la Akbar Orge. <laughs> Embrace the cosmic dear daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be spooky, true cult. Oh, oh, shit. Be, spook- <laughs> Be spooky, true cult. I've got Be nothing. spooky, true cult. Now I've got nothing to say. Damn. The end. <laughs> Be- nothing Be- else matters. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant.